Before we begin, just to let you guys know, our logo artwork was designed by Nicole Anarchy and music by Taylor Paisley French. Warning, this podcast does contain spoilers for the Verse series. And welcome to the Best Damn Camp, a Ron Verse read along and analysis podcast that sets out to read all the books by Rick Riordan in timeline order. I'm your host, Fran, and welcome to the show. Today, I am joined by two brilliant, fantabulous guests in the form of Owen from Through the Mist, the place where you want to go for all the mythology, knowledge, and lore. lore I can't say that word, law and knowledge. That's a lot of that's a lot of R's in my mouth. And Darren. <laughs> And Darian from Podcast of Poseidon. What hey, y'all. <laughs> oh, um, we're fantabulous. Yeah. I don't know where that came from. It was originally just brilliant. I was like, you know what? Brilliant just, 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 is just not enough. I need to add something else. So let's make up a word that people do say, but it's technically not an actual word. So it's even better. It's perfect. So Darian, tell everyone a little bit more about Podcast of Poseidon and yourself. Hey, yes. Uh, I am so excited to be back if y'all didn't listen to my last one where i just rambled on about how much i love cats i am darian i am one half of podcast of poseidon a show where my brother and i explore how ancient myths become modern pop culture through the lens of rick Riordan's percy jackson and the olympian series oh, awesome owen tell everyone about you hello <laughs> i am owen off through the mist where we look at the law of the world of the void inverse and just try and understand how it all works that is that is what I do. And it's very a lot well. Of fun. Yes, very well. Mm-hmm. Also, you you actually I have been meaning to ask you, can you look into the Athena children not technically having DNA thing for me? Fine, I'll add it to the list. <laughs> Thank you. To hey, like... Brand, not what this episode's about, actually. No, no, I took us completely off topic. That's my, that's Wait, my no, fault. Let's go King Chronicles? King Chronicles. King yeah, Chronicles. Egypt. King let's Chronicles. talk about Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So today we are continuing the timeline journey with the King Chronicles, The Throne of Fire, Chapter 7, A Gift from the Dog-Headed Boy, and Chapter 8, Major Delays at Waterloo Stage... Oh, Jesus. Waterloo Station, We Apologize for the Baboon, which are both from Sadie's point of view. As always, we've got some points to focus on. So today we've got problematic elements, world building, and characters. Um, We don't have like a synopsis today because we both have a lot of, like we all, both, God, I can't count. We all have a lot of thoughts today, but we're going to dive in with the overviews with chapter seven being provided by the lovely Darren. Yay! It's not the homecoming Sadie Kane expected. The vulture goddess, Nekbet, and the baboon god, Bobby, have possessed Gran and Gramps, respectively. Sadie literally runs into her friends while running for her life through the streets of London. The three tweens are nearly baboon chow until Anubis shows up to give Sadie some advice, a fancy knife, and a kiss. But not too much actual help as the chapter ends with the tweens still running for their lives. Nice. Nice. I like it. Mm -hmm. Also, you've helped me figure out how to say that I still... 
Is it? It's said like it's Bobby, right? The b- baboon god. Yeah, Bobby. Yeah, because I kept Cause saying it's like, Babby, and I was like, how did she get Bobby from Babby? <laughs> yeah, I think that's the thing. Cause she's guy because Rick does that joke a lot when the way the word is written in like the the text doesn't match how it would be like properly pronounced. So the characters like Bobby, and it probably be like Bobby. So it's not Babby, yeah. but it sounds like it's it's a joke <laughs> we get a really... lot to try to teach kids how to say these names. <laughs> yeah. Put, put on a dumb New York accent and say it. Bobby. <laughs> yeah. Bobby. It's not like Babby. It's like Bobby. Bobby. But not Bobby. 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 Not like, dang Bobby. it, Bobby. Bobby. Come on, Bobby. <laughs> yeah, like that one. <laughs> oh, okay. Fetch the rifle, will you? <laughs> I mean, they probably could have done with the rifle. I know it's the grandparents, but I could have helped in some way. Shoot to disarm. This is a deterrent. Yeah. Yes. Shoot to disarm. <laughs> Get a tranquilizer gun. I don't know. Well, we see later it doesn't work. So, you know, I was That's a cop true. and they don't do anything. So, yeah. Not helpful. <laughs> but, um, I, it was, <laughs> that was, that was, that was funny. Um, <laughs> I'm glad I know how to say, to say the word now because I was reading it as Babby. I'm just being really confused about how they messed that up. I mean, I'm just going to confidently say that that's how it's pronounced. I'm just trying to do this new thing where I just confidently say the words that I don't fully know. And if anybody does know because they have like a degree in ancient Egyptian language, feel free to at me with a video of you pronouncing it. And I would love to pronounce it with the correct inflection. But until this point in time, that's how I'm going to say it. All right, I need to take that confidence because <laughs> I've been shamed way too many times for saying things incorrectly, and I'm 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 nervous all the time. I'm like, I don't know if you know how to say. I mean, it, I, just say, know, I, I just say I just say it. I go I go. This is how I say it. Deal with it, and then I move on. Yeah, like I don't know. I need I'm doing my attitudes. best here. I'm like, I'm <laughs> we're doing our best. This isn't right, yeah. but I say it like this anyway. So yeah, just gonna keep going. I pronounce the name of my own city wrong. You think I care about what you have to say about these names? Wait, how do you say it? I say Boise with like the Z sound. It's actually supposed to be Boise. It's like a big uh... thing. It's like supposed to be like, oh, if you say Boise, you're obviously not actually from here, and that's an indication that you're like from California or something, and we all hate you. And I'm like, I've lived here since I was three. So, like, <laughs> fuck off, actually. <laughs> Okay, that's fine. I think you're gonna say like you pronounce like Idaho differently, and I was gonna uh, say, oh, how would you say it? Idaho. What is that? Idaho. Idaho. So to get into the main thing, so yeah. that was that was the main. That was a really good summary of chapter seven. Um, and just kind of going based off of that, I would like to know what you guys were feeling about this chapter. Um, in reference to just just general feelings, you know, just what what happened, you know, anything surprising, anything really stood out, sort of situation. This, I mean, I every time I read it, it was like, does the church actually exist? And that was that was all I ever got from it, really, to be honest. And the answer was no, no. right? Yeah. yeah, the church, the church kind of doesn't exist but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> There's a church, but it's relatively modern. It doesn't have a graveyard in it, and it's definitely on not the not on the road he talks about. So what else? <laughs> and and that's why uh, Owen asked to be on these chapters. <laughs> Geography and trains. For me, chapter seven specifically, not necessarily the both of them together, but this one specifically 
is supposed to be the as most as close as we get to like the re- the, the teen chapter, right? Mm. It's the moment and Carter can't have this because he this kind of experience because he doesn't have a regular life, right? He even like before the magician stuff, it was always him and his dad traveling around, so he doesn't have best friends or like expectations or or a remembrance of like what normalcy mm. was in the standard like most of the readers will get it but Sadie does and she has this I want to go hang out with my friends on my birthday yes I know everything's in danger and I know things are chaotic but like this is the one thing I want to do because of all this like the last scrap of like what my life used to be I want to hang out with my friends I want to go shopping and dress cute and walk around the town we live in and maybe like look at some cute boys and like do those things and like go on the train and like get snacks together and like go to these stores and that section collides with this is Sadie's reality now of the magic and of the danger and all of that so we have her best friends there for the first time we're properly meeting these girls and then we have like oh Sadie's crush makes an appearance too so like all of these elements that should be like oh now we kind of have the sense of like I keep saying teen even though the books are like children's lit they're not ya but like that's the vibe that this Mm. specific chapter is trying to go for but it's really not rick's bag so while the running from the monster stuff works really or that the god stuff works really well in the trying to like solve the problem that sadie has created by not at least bringing her magic wand with her like it's like i get you didn't want to carry on the staff in the bag because it's cumbersome but like alex russo could put her wand in her boot at least do that Exactly, and she's wearing combat boots as well, yeah, so she fully could have put it in a boot. Like, it's fine. Like, what are you doing? This was episode one of Wizards of Waverly Place. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I'm going. The ones aren't straight. Well, okay, okay, but it's still a they boot. Look, they look more like a scythe. I, I, Do I, they? I, that is a, that is a scythe. That is that's a scythe. not that's their wand. That's a that's, that's, a, a, wand? that's, a, that's, a, that's a weapon. That's, that's the one, weapon. That's like. Yeah, that's like, conscious. I don't know. That's conscious. I know they don't. That's, I know the, they're not that's the pharaoh's like weapon. No. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I just know they're not straight. Anyway, doesn't nope. really matter. No. Nope. <laughs> it does now because now you must research. It's a curved piece of ivory. Okay. How curved? I need to see how big this thing is. Because in the graphic <laughs> novel, yes, it does have a curve. I could still fit that in one of my boots. Like, I'm not saying, I, like, a little ankle boot, but if I'm wearing my combat boots or I'm wearing one of my, like, thigh-high boots, not thigh-high boots, like, knee-high boots, that bad boy's mm. gonna fit and they're just fine. It's not comfortable, but if the gamble is, I knew that some uh, other I mean, I would just slug, kill slug my it friends. in a pocket. I would just slug it in, like, the an inside jacket pocket, because I feel like Sadie wears big, puffy jackets. Oh, yeah, she's wearing a leather matching... jacket as well at yeah, that point. Just, yeah, but... I would slung it, slung she's it wearing in there, a girl's jacket. Fine. It's not gonna have pockets in it. Oh, um, that's true. That's true. Sorry, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot as I well because I'm wearing men's clothes all the time now. So I forgot. <laughs> I mean, the fact that, like, Sadie, like, I get she doesn't want to carry her, like, heavy messenger bag of all the supplies, but, like, you're going out on the town. You don't have a purse? You don't have, like, a chunky bag? Chunky bags are very stylish back then. Uh, yeah. You don't have a mini and, backpack? And especially for a 13 year old. Like, Jesus, yeah. Like, that's all we had. What are you doing? Even Where's me. Your backpack? Where's your messenger bag? Like, what are you going to carry everything in? Like, yeah. something. It doesn't. Yeah, and Emily, even back then, around that time, because I was in secondary school around that time, so I would have been like, I wasn't Carter's age, I was maybe like a year or two older of what Carter was, but like, backpacks were all the rage, and wearing a purse, like a big, chunky bag mm-hmm. with you, that was like, 
like purse vibes, but it was like stylish bags, were all the rage and everyone was carrying them. Because if yeah, you didn't, you were pathetic. Like that was the rules of the school. <laughs> if you didn't have one of those or a backpack, you were a social outcast. Like Sadie mm. is someone who cares about this stuff. She would be wearing a big yes. bag. No, exactly. Like, okay, I think Owen is correct. Maybe it wouldn't fit in the boot because it's a different shape. Uh, but thank you, Owen, for bringing that to our attention. But there is no reason why well, she I'm wouldn't have a bag for one thing. Like, that, I, which circles back to, Rick, it's not your fault. But also, you don't know how to write teen girls. Like, this yeah, is supposed to be the teen girl chapter with her friends and the crush and dealing with family drama, but with yeah. magic. And my dude, it just doesn't... You're no Cassandra Clare, and that's not your fault, but... Yeah. That's why I'm here today. Yeah. And honestly, it's so it's so obvious that he doesn't he does not understand. And also, I don't think he has any daughters as well. Like he has two sons, doesn't he, Rick? I'm pretty yeah. sure, yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that's somewhat evident at the same time as well. Cuz like at this point so his son Haley had ju- I think it's I said, I've been saying it as Haley, but I don't know if that's correct. But anyway. Um, <laughs> Stay with confidence, fan. What were you talking about? Five that's seconds true. Ago. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but it was like, had written a story at 16, like that Son of Magic one, which is set yeah, before cute. this um, in the timeline. Um, and like, so he had teenage sons at this point, but I don't think he has a daughter, so had no teenage daughter. So yeah, no knowledge whatsoever. And it's like very, very evident. Bless you. Thank you. <laughs> but it's just yeah it's just there are a lot of things with it and i can't even remember like there are some things later on um like talking like the reference to knickers and i'm like i'm sorry no 13 year old girl has ever called underwear slash pants knickers that is what in no offense to like my mum but that's what (laughs) older women like my mum call them you they call them knickers (laughs) I, I, I think I read that and I just immediately I don't know why. Don't ask me why my brain went there. But I read I read that comment in the notes and my brain went Angus Thongs and uh what is Perfect it? Snogging. Something snogging. Yeah, yeah, the movie. I don't know why my brain went there, but it went there. Yeah, but honestly that film is a good example because none of the teen girls call them knickers. <laughs> the mum does. And she's like, No, they're my pants or they're my th-. like like there was a big a big thing about this fourteen year old girl. Not liking the fact that they're being called knickers or granny panties. Like, those, that was a huge thing. And she's this around, the, well, she obviously she's a year older than Sadie, but it's like a, it was a big thing. And that was, that was a big thing in my head. I was like, I know you're, I know you're trying, Rick, but did you do any research whatsoever of like reading stories or anything like that with like teen girl characters to get an understanding, or at least a preteen girl characters? Because that's obviously slightly different. I mean, I think one of the struggles that you have when you're trying to, as an adult, write teen culture is that where do you find, I mean, now TikTok, now you just go on TikTok and see what the teens are fucking doing and then all of it's going to be outdated by the time your book comes out anyway, so it's a losing game regardless. But like beforehand, okay, I'll go read a book about it. But the people writing the book is going to be like, even if they're writing about teens today, they're still remembering what it was like to be a teen in their time, so... It, you're gonna call it what you called it then even though it's not the kids saying now but it's that like flow of like language and slang where it's not like the super obvious mm. stop trying to make fetch happen like that kind of thing <laughs> is a little harder to capture if you're not someone who is regularly around teens and hearing the way they talk and the way they behave because 
is usually specifically meant to be against how their parents talked or behaved. Like they're trying to expand their own reality and their own identity by rejecting the things that their parents used. So there's no reason for certain words to have changed other than my mom calls it that. That's what old people call it. So I'm going to say it this way. But you don't yeah. find that as it's hard to research that kind of thing. So like, yeah, yeah, I can kind of get it. So I, I will give slack on that sense. But it's just it is one of those things that you, you, you can you can tell. Oh, yeah, you can. Yeah, tell. you can tell. Um, and just some of the references, like the one of like, um, what was it? Sadie referring to um, the friend. Is it? Is it? Emma or Lizzie? I don't even know. Um, the one, but one of them who's dressed Elton John. Like, yeah, the Elton John, like the flamboyant That's... rock and roll. Flamboyant 70s. rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah. Chat. I was like, firstly, 13 year old, not calling anyone flamboyant. <laughs> 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 yeah. I won't even know what that word means. <laughs> and secondly, why would anyone, like, why 70s specifically? Because he was big in the 90s and 80s. It's and even also... in the early 2000s as well. Like, he's never lost relevance. Like, no, it's Elton John. Yeah, Like, it's saying it as if Sadie wouldn't know who Elton John was. Like, okay, so here's... I just watched the first four episodes of that new Proud Family show on Disney+. Plus, Louder mm. and Prouder, the, the, the reboot of the show. Um, which is wild, because I didn't watch that much Proud Family when I was a kid, and my friend wanted to watch it last night. I'm like, yeah, it's totes. Um, but there's, a, there's an episode at the beginning where they're talking about, like, what the teens are into. And Penny Proud, who is the black teenager in America... Her parents say, like, oh, yeah, we were super into Prince. And she's like, who is Prince? And I'm like, why Why would she not know who Prince is? Like, one of her parents loved Prince. They have been playing Prince her whole life. Like, it doesn't matter that he's, like, mm-hmm. not make, around making music. Like, why would... Sadie would know who Elton John is. Like, that's a that's just a cultural touchstone. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, Especially not even, like Also, he wrote songs for The Lion King. That too, <laughs> like, like it's it's. She and have Billy any... Elliot, he's the reason behind the musical Billy Elliot as well, which yeah. is huge in London, like insanely. It, yeah, it's. I don't know if it's supposed to be a joke of like, oh, yeah, teens wouldn't know who that is. But your book is for kids. It's for like te- tweens and kids and stuff. So like, mm. I mean, maybe Sadie doesn't know, but like Sadie would know. Sadie would like... know. Sadie, I feel like is cultured, especially considering she lives in like what would be considered a posh area of London. She would have yeah. been going to musical. She would know what's up. She'd know yeah. about Billy Elliot. She'd know about Elton John. John. She'd know all that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wait, yeah. what did you say, Owen? She's a plush chap. <laughs> yeah, she is a plush chap. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I feel like that line is for the kids who are reading it, who like maybe originally was like, oh, she looks like like El- what? Is, what is the line? She describes her friend as looking like Elton John's yeah. Indian daughter. Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe that was originally like, you could have just said that. And maybe an editor came back or someone came back and was like, well, kids don't know who Elton John is. And that's where we get the oh, the flamboyant rock and roll chap from the 70s. That's if you don't know who Elton John is. But that's an image that you can as a kid, if you don't understand that reference. Because I'm not saying all kids would necessarily know who Elton John is, but Sadie would. Yes. Based on her location, she she would. Yeah. yeah. There are just some choice sort of things that I'm just like, I really don't understand the reasoning well i do it's it's to make her sound like a teen it's because that's what i'm saying it's supposed to be the teen chapter and this is where we find a lot of the weak not uh, i don't want to call it weaknesses because like the chapter still works like it's still good like the the dealing with the god stuff is still really interesting and it's still hey 
two gods have just possessed her grandparents who have raised her. Like, these are her parental figures. And that's mm. scary, because Sadie yeah. was hosting a god last year, a couple months ago. I don't know how the timeline works. Yeah. And so she knows what that's like, and this is being done to her grandparents against their will. Like, the gods have taken over their bodies. Yeah, physically, as in their like, bodies are hidden. Like, she can't yeah. see her grandparents. All she yeah, sees like, are these gods. And that's scary, and it, it works. So they're not bad chapters. It's just, like, the moments when you're trying to see, like, Sadie as a teenager with teenager, like, interests and relationships, it, it just kind of doesn't really stick the landing yeah it falters a little bit and especially because there are some things here and there where i'm like this this is the teen chapters we were seeing but then there are some uses of language where i'm just like i don't even know what that so the one that i wrote down is egad like she exclaims the word egad when she smells um neckbet's breath or something like that and she says egad's smells terribly i had to google what that meant and it's a 1600s phrase for oh god that is no longer in existence basically yeah like, no one like, uses oh ye gods yeah like... <laughs> so, i just remember, I was like why is this <laughs> reference being used by a 13 year old <laughs> it's just it was Posh so she learned latin at school <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah well Millie. she, well, she can't say Oh fuck! Or I I don't know if what the the teen British proper like the the popular cursing for the teens would be on. It'd uh, probably your side be of the crap pond. for her age. Like oh crap. Yeah, like something like that. That would yeah. be yeah, or each yeah, yeah, or like oh god, that yeah. would maybe be like too crass. Because I don't think anybody in these books ever says oh god as like an yeah. ex or oh my god. Like in Percy Jackson's, they'll say like DM or thous, which means the same thing. But they're, they're also, like, I think that they will say they will say, "Oh my gods!" They always pluralize yes, it. Whenever, they'll whenever, pluralize it. Yeah, we never get yeah. So the, they can do the that, but yeah. you can't have the the in the children's books have a character curse actually have any real. So we get e gods, even though yeah, yeah, she's not going to say that. But that's like our our cleaning up of yeah. It means oh god. She would say oh my god. Yeah, because I read it and I was like. Is this a spelling mistake? Like, I fully thought it was, like, a spelling error of, like, dis- like disbelieving proportions of, like, they managed to misspell God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, how did you manage to screw that up so badly? Um, but, yeah, I guess, okay, I kind of get the reasoning behind it. But it was just so, it felt so out of place when I read it. I just had to take a pause of just, like, what? <laughs> yeah, no. I'm just kind of intrigued as to your thoughts uh, on this for both of you so there is a note of um from sadie like her recognition of her treat like her grandparents treatment of her dad and her brother and like how you know it made her uncomfortable when she didn't really like it she you know it was something that was really unfair mm-hmm. um and i just kind of wonder like how you guys felt seeing that like she is clearly recognizing that there is an issue in how her grandparents have treated her other family members because that's like a, something I've noticed a lot in the books where I'm somewhat frustrated by it in the fact that she takes a lot of her frustrations out of not being with her dad and her brother mm-hmm. on them while clearly recognising her grandparents' involvement but not really kind of giving them the same shtick for it at the same time. Like this is the first time for me in text that I've seen of her like openly admitting 
that she doesn't like the way in which her grandparents talk about her dad and ignore her brother. But I've then not seen any action from it at the same time. So I'm just wondering kind of like how you guys Mm -hmm. feel seeing that. Okay, 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 okay. So from the last time it was on, guys, if you can remember that. Um, I think it is literally, it, it, like the reason you could start seeing it now, like in context and everything, is she has actually, she started the process or kind of has forgiven her dad and like reconciling with her brother. Mm. So she's no longer like angry at them anymore. So she's now looking back and going, hang on. So, but there's, there's no logical reason that I can think of a why Carter couldn't have been with me. She's now actually doing those thought processes rather than just going, well, these guys looking after me. Why, why aren't I with my, the guy or person I want to be with? Mm-hmm. And now she's like, well, I've kind of forgiven that person. So why did I actually stay with these guys and wasn't with him? Why did they fight for me? Is now the question she's asking herself. Hmm. Yeah, I I think I think that's yeah I totally agree with Owen there. I think she's this chapter is taking place on her thirteenth birthday. Like she's a kid. Like even though sometimes you read the books and it's like Rick Riordan does not remember how children actually act. But you know you're a grown up writing a kid. You're gonna have sometimes the kids act a little more not kiddish. But like ah I'll forgive it. I know what I'm in for. But yeah, like when you're a kid and you're looking back and you maybe didn't like the fact that like. I don't like that my grandparents say that about my dad, but you're a kid. Like, what are you going to do? Say, hey, don't talk about my dad that way. Like, they're your grandparents. For Sadie, they're basically her parents. Like, mm-hmm. I I don't remember off the top of my head, like, the ages of, like, when the mom died and when they were separated. Mm-hmm. But as, what was, oh, and I'm, who who knows off the top of their head? When are we um, sure? So he was six and okay, was so eight. It, okay, so yeah, six is really young. And so it's been just shy of seven years, essentially. Mm-hmm. And that's, so those are, like, her parents. She's gone through her most, like, she's going through really, like, developmental stages with her grandparents. And so it's hard to tell those people, like, even, like, I'm sure most folks can relate to, like, hearing your parents when you're a kid say something that you're just like, I don't like that, that you said that. But I really don't know why I don't like it. I just know I don't. But also, I'm not going to say that to you Mm. because you're the adult and I'm the kid and I don't know how to have that conversation yet. And so I think, like, also I think, Owen, you're spot on with, like, Sadie was aware that this was happening, but did not necessarily compute. And also, like, maybe because she was angry at her dad for not, like, feeling like he didn't want her around and angry at Carter for getting to be with her dad when she couldn't, that when her parents would, or when her grandparents would say those things or treat Carter that way, she didn't like it, but it felt a little validating. We're like, yeah, I'm mad at them and grandma and grandpa are proving me right because they're mad at them too, obviously, for some other reason. And now you're getting a little bit more like, okay, hold them. Actually, that's not okay. And I feel like I need to interrogate why that was happening. And then never actually do in these books. Yeah. And that's the thing that I've always had somewhat of the issue with. Is like there's the starting of this sort of conversation topic relation to that. <clears throat> but it never really goes any further which is where like, my whole and I know she's a kid and I, t- I hold these kids to so many high standards that I definitely should not be doing because they're children but I'm also a dickhead so that's why I've done it um, you have a brand <laughs> I have a brand and it's called being an asshole to children I'm the fight for you now fan uh, <laughs> the thing is though is we're not being mean at kids we're being mean at the adult that writing 
kids for kids. So you've got to make the kids let more adult Mm -hmm. to make them deal with harder topics so the kids know how to deal with the topics when they grow up. I love that. Yes, because there's no reason why. I mean, yes, maybe kids don't know, but kids don't know not because they're stupid or unintelligent or couldn't figure out. They often don't know because they have not been given the pieces to draw these conclusions yet. They don't mm. they're not they don't realize there's actually a reason for the pattern of behavior that like Sadie has been seeing her grandparents, the way she treats, the way they treat her father, the way they treat Carter, like there's a reason for that. She sees a pattern, but she doesn't know why. The reason is racism, and the books really needed to have said that. Yeah. Sadie can still love her grandparents and they can still be racist. Like we can have a little bit more like it's not bad that Sadie like cares for her grandparents and saves them from the gods, but they are also racist and that sucks. Yeah. And that's something I always wished was addressed in some way. Even if it's just her one moment of standing up for Carter, just like one singular moment is basically what I needed of like the grandparents wouldn't let him in at one point and they say, if you don't let him in, I'm gone. Just like one moment of standing up for him is all basically I wanted to see at one point. I'd be happy mm-hmm. with the rest of it. Um, but I, I did like that we do get this recognition on her part of like, I can't remember, it's like a, a list of things that she lays out of like, you know, our grandpa has like, you know, he's always occasionally done things that have annoyed me, like the way in which he talked about dad, the way in which he like, or they ignored Carter. But like, and then mentioning all the good things that he's done for her as well. And like, she didn't really want this for him. Um, yeah, when she's looking at him and like being taken over by the like the raging primal violent baboon god, like yeah, which is, is like a very intense moment, and it, it's interesting that it, that feeling and that those memories are coming at this intense moment of seeing him in this way, and these mixture of thoughts of like yeah, we've had bad moments, but we've had good ones too, and like seeing him like this is really painful. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was like it was just it was really nice to see from. Um, her character this little bit of growth but in this like really terrifying moment as well it just kind of adds like this additional thing that I just thought was really was just really interesting um, mm-hmm. in this chapter when the vulture goddess Nekbet is is taunting Sadie and she's basically like I will kill you because you are weak and uh, only the strong may survive my job is to like kill and get rid of the weak essentially like and Sadie, mm-hmm. when she realizes she's the Vulture Goddess, she's like, you're supposed to be good. Like, you're one of the good gods. And so we have this introduction of this idea that there isn't good and bad in dealing with these gods, which is true. Like, in Egypt, it's like, they're not good and bad. It's order and chaos. And Nekbet mm-hmm. and, and Bobby are a symbol of order, actually. Like, she's a Vulture Goddess. She's a scavenger. They clean up the week. They, they, they are an important part of this, like, cycle and in the moment, Sadie's on the wrong side of the cycle for them to be her allies. Mm. So she has to prove she's strong enough for them or that they just, they just don't respect her. And I like that. I would have liked to see more of, like, there's not good and bad. There's order and chaos. And you have to decide, like, where you're going to stand on that and how, when is it okay? And when is and when is order the problem and chaos the solution? Because Nekbeck and Bobby are, are the problem, but they are following mm. this path of order. We'll see that like later with some other characters and, and the introduction, but I feel like that's a really cool idea that doesn't really go anywhere or doesn't get, it's like a thesis that we forget, not forget, but it just doesn't get explored deeply enough for there to be a payoff or a statement mm. because it would have required a lot of time to really dig into it and structure it in a way that will work throughout the story. Yeah. And it's after, I, I agree with that completely because it was a similar message. And this is the whole thing. It, like that message appeared in the very first book with Set 
because Set mm-hmm. is not an evil god, but he's consistently called an evil god. Like every I mean, single it was time. It's an evil they... day. Yeah. Evil yeah. day. <laughs> Which I did find really funny. Um, but like every time they mention him, they talk about how bad he is and how evil he is. And it's only when, and even like, there's a god that comes, I think it's Ged that comes into it, who's obviously like technically the father of Set and stuff, mm-hmm. um, and also Nut. But like, they talk about how you know set is order like he like he may be part of chaos but he is like sort of like a structured chaos like he's a necessary chaotic neutral yeah. evil sort of situation and that's a whole discussion that comes in but he's still being called evil like consistently yeah. like even after that whole conversation they still refer to him as bad and evil mm-hmm. and like considering this whole message of like there is no bad or evil there is chaos and like order like you said mm-hmm. It just, they kind of seem to keep, like, it definitely seems to be that's forgotten. Because, like, this yeah. whole reference here to Nekbet, like, is almost the exact same conversation that Sadie, because it was Sadie who had this conversation with Ged, I believe. Mm-hmm. Sadie has a lot she, of one-on-one time with gods. Yeah. So she should be more knowledgeable at this point, because she had an entire conversation of this being laid mm-hmm. out in front of her. And she still is seemingly not kind of catching up without catching on to this message. Mm-hmm. The Kane Chronicles is is out of like all of the series, just like pure story wise. I think it would be just really cool to have a follow up book where there's zero stakes, but just them figuring out how to how things work now. Yeah, because mm. I mean, you uh, spoilers for the end of the books or whatever, but like Carter effectively becomes Pharaoh, but doesn't. And all of the gods, both Order and Chaos, have retreated to the heavens. So the, what we've all. just been following for the last three books is no longer is like l- a, even less of a thing than it was before. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's one of those where it's like, well, they've got to rework out what they've just re- they've redrawn something, and now they now the pieces have changed, and they've gonna have to redraw it again. Yeah, that'd be really cool. More. I could definitely see that. It's sort of like a, the demigod flowers and like demigod diaries sort of situation that just adds mm-hmm. additional stories. Like that'd be interesting to have for that because the only additional Kane Chronicles content we got was the demigods and magicians thing, which, mm-hmm. considering they're involved in it, and like I think like, the villain is slightly connected to Egyptian mythology. Yeah, it's, it's, it's literally it's like the it's the main villain dying thread that's never solved in these books. I think it starts in this one. Oh yeah, the whole, yeah, yeah. The whole, the entire setup for demigods and magicians happens in the King Chronicles books. Yeah. Yes, no, it is because it's the the the. It's a couple of chapters from now. Um, it's to do with the when they find a Roman um burial ground in Egypt. Oh right, I remember that. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like weird, and it's there. The spirits are like angry and restless because they're not Egyptian or they're not right. The Romans who were buried like they were Egyptian, and that just doesn't fly. Yeah, yeah, and it was like a big thing. So the the villain from Demigods and Magicians turns up around that point, I think, um, or they summon him around that point, or something like that. But yeah, um, and yeah, so and even though it's tied into the King Chronicles, like Demigods and Magicians, one hundred percent ends up being more about Percy and Annabeth. Hun- like people are more interested in Percy and Annabeth than well, yeah, than um, Sadie and Carter, which kind of feels like it's nice. But at the same time, it's kind of like, you know, they're, they're, they're part of the main story too in this. <laughs> and they kind of feel like they get sidelined in some aspects as well. Um, 
Because I'm trying to remember, I think it's only Percy and Annabeth who have POVs. I don't think Sadie and Carter get a POV in Demigod Magicians, but I could be wrong. Sadie, no. I don't know. No, oh, yes, it's it, it goes Carter, Annabeth, Percy. Oh, God. Carter gets now. the first one. So I know it's not remotely relevant. But, mm-hmm. um, okay, so yeah, so Carter is the first one. It doesn't say names on it, which is very frustrating. Um, and then it's Annabeth. Yeah, then, then Annabeth. Then it's Percy for the last one. Yes. Of course. Um, and yeah, Sadie, Sadie doesn't get one. That's oh. weird. Yeah. Huh. We booked four people. What are you going to do? Split one, the Rick. One? <laughs> split them both. They all should have been split. The one with Carter and Percy should have been Carter and Percy both telling half the story, and then Sadie and Annabeth tell half the story. And then the last one, I guess, let Percy tell it. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Somebody gets to tell it. Let, let someone else tell it. I don't care. Um, yeah. yeah so, I, let the bad guy tell it. <laughs> yeah, hey, what a twist. Yeah, I don't know. It's wild because... Of, like, of all, like, the mythologies that I've had lifelong interest to, like, Egyptian is definitely the one that I obsessed over the first, the one I knew the most about. Then mm. this book was the one I was most excited for, when it's like, he's doing Egyptian, this is gonna be so cool. And it definitely, like, has never, and I've read the trilogy a couple of times, and the first time I read it through, I was like, this, I don't, not that I didn't like it, I read it all, but it just didn't click with me the way even, like, Lost Hero when I was like, this isn't as good, it still clicked with me. Like, I was still like, here's the world. Here we go. Let's go. What's up? And Kane Chronicles, even when I, like, reread it and liked it better the second time, didn't... It, it doesn't have that spark. Mm. I'm literally on the same page as you right now about it. Like, I read it the first time. I, I stopped after the second book the first time. I stopped after the second book on the first read through. Like I didn't mm-hmm. get to the third book until two years later when I reread the first and went, I want to finish this actually. Yeah. Because I enjoyed it more the second time through. Yeah, right? Like it's, I think maybe because expectations are tempered a little bit more. Like you remember what you're getting into. Like, like mm. I thought that cheese as like the most powerful thing, like I thought that was so like weak. Like I was not amused by it whatsoever. And when I read it through the second time, knowing it was there, I was like, all right, it's a little funny. It's not a good joke, and it's kind of I, but it wasn't nearly as like egregious and oppressed. I don't know. And I know like some people are like this is like oh, the best written one. It's like their favorites, and that's tight. And if you love it, I'm so glad you love it. Please love the things you love. But uh, when you yeah. line them all up, there is just something about the Kane Chronicles that just doesn't quite hit it the way I found the other series hit those beats for me yeah and i really can't fully tell you why except for i know that there are some ideas that we don't dig deep enough into yeah and we get a few of those here and then there are many so i really do like the king chronicles in concept and i think this is Mm -hmm. because i also have similar things with heroes of olympus i like heroes of olympus in concept not a fan of the execution king chronicles i like the execution a little bit more Mainly because of the relationships, because the Carter and Sadie relationship is probably the strongest yes. one in in the whole Ryan verse for me, because I feel like it's a realistic build of a relationship. It's a realistic situation, realistic family dynamic as well. I think is something that I know we have the whole Sally and like Percy situation. It's really nice and it's really sweet. Mm-hmm. Not not always there, so we don't really see it that much. Yeah. And then there are obviously some egregious things of you know Annabelle's abusive family, and she still goes back to them in the book. 
talked about that way too much. Um, <laughs> but, um, but the case of Carter and Sadie, is just, it just feels natural, um, even with the sort of somewhat unnatural circumstances of they were split because of magic. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there are just there are just some things about it, and admittedly, one one of the big ones is the thing that obviously is first introduced in this chapter, which is. Anubis and Sadie. I was going to say, like, hey, speaking of relationships that don't work, can we talk about why I'm here? Yes. <laughs> Not that I haven't already talked a lot. But oh, my God. Please go. Let me. Because listeners, you wouldn't have heard any of this. Because when I was here the first time to do the Bastet episode, because that's Bast, the Bast episode. Because that's what I love Bast. She's great. We spent, like, 30 minutes talking about the Anubis thing. Friends, yeah. At least, well, maybe 15. But I know that you had to scoop all that out. <laughs> Yeah, so, hi, my name is Darian, and I love urban fantasy romance. (laughs) Give me magical supernatural romance bullshit. It is my bread and butter. I love it. I'm all about it. I love badass mortals having interesting relationships with supernatural entities and finding ways to make those works and, like, the culture clash and then the finding passion through differences and all of those things. Yes, I love it. Give me fairy knights and immortal warlocks, and reformed demons, like, please, every day, always. So Rick Ryden rolls up and is like, hey, girl, you uh, check what I got here. I got a, I got a death god. I got a death god, but he's never actually been able to engage in the world. So the way time works, he's actually, he's like 16 years old, essentially. And I'm like, "Mm, yes, please. He is also hot. I'm like, yes, please. Let me hang out with the Death God. I, Darian, being the teenager reading the book at the time. And it's like, hey, uh, so he doesn't know anything about how to interact and engage with the modern world. Here's a modern girl. And she's a fucking magician. It shows she's got magic powers. And she's trying to save the world. She's got shit to do. And she doesn't take anybody's nonsense. and, And she's a badass. And he has a crush on her. Because once upon a time, he had a dream about her. Or saw her in the past. Or something. Yeah, I don't even remember. And he has just remembered her. <laughs> and now he has a crush on her. And I'm like, yes, please. I love it. How is she going to deal with this, like, kind of moody dude from the past who was into her? I love it. And yet, I don't love anything about Sadie and Anubis. And and it is 100% because <laughs> Rick Ryden, for all of his skills, just really doesn't uh, do romances well for me mm. at all yeah i don't uh i don't buy sadie anubis i don't buy sadie and walt i don't buy carter and zia i don't buy hazel and frank i barely buy calypso and anubis like as soon as they get off of ogg i'm done with this relationship yeah. like you said calypso and anubis oh did i so sorry it's calypso and leo <laughs> um, no, that. Oh, God, no, okay, okay 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 before you finish ranting but calypso and anubis no just Calypso would have just thrown him off the island physically. Just would have grabbed him by his jackal scruff and just tossed him into the goddamn ocean. <laughs> like... I mean, that would have that, that. I I want that meetup now. <laughs> I don't know why. I just want it. So, yeah, it just doesn't. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was because he's supposed to be sixteen, and again. My suspension of disbelief for urban fantasy romance knows no ends. Like, sure, you're, I'm already existing in a book where you're telling me the Egyptian gods are real physical entities and that teenagers have to save the world with magic. If I can buy that, 
I will buy that this 5,000-year-old god is essentially a 16-year-old. Like, that's fine. I don't need to be talked into that. I thought the reason I didn't buy Sadie and Anubis was because she's, like, 12, 13, and he's, like, 16. And I'm like, mm, I don't love that. And I still don't, but I recently in the, the podcast Discord, I did have a conversation with uh, Megan and Aaron about that dynamic. And, and Aaron did point out that she's, I mean, the way she, I don't remember exactly the way they worded it, but they say he's not 13. She's not. They, they say she's 13, but a- these ages mean nothing. Yeah. So in my head, I could say that Anubis is 14 and she's 14 or she's 16. Like the ages actually mean nothing here. Mm-hmm. So... And I'm like, okay, so if that's not my hang-up, what is it? And I'm like, oh, it's because they're not cute. <laughs> Rick is trying so hard to write cute banter and cute moments, and it's just, yeah. once again, my my guy, you're no Cassandra Clare, and that's not your fault, but please stay in your lane. Yeah. And admittedly, the cute banter that he's trying isn't cute. It's, insult- it's insults, it's bad-mouthing, it's mm-hmm. creepy creepy talks about like in the first book for example him talking about um how she should have been married off by now considering how badly she talks like that was a a thing that he said to her yeah your dad should have married you off now uh, by now if this was your attitude and she's like marry me off like when do you think this is i'm only 12 yeah i think he he says like why hasn't your dad married off?" oh yeah something like that yeah yeah, which is like yeah that that could work as a but but it comes off as if he's like being insulting and dismissive because he doesn't like her attitude. Whereas in, if it's supposed to be cute awkward boy from past doesn't know anything about modern, it should be more of an awkward like genuine like. You're not. Shouldn't you be married off by now? I'm confused. Why? Hold on. Oh, modern time. And Sadie has to be like, no, we're not playing that game, because that's a dynamic that can work. Yeah. But it just I'm, yeah. And it feels like Rick was trying to do with that with how he ends the conversation of I hope to see you again so you can teach me more of these modern courting processes. Yes! And in my head, I was like, Rick 100% feels like all that interaction was flirty banter. That, and, yes! Yeah, and 100% no, no, no. It was them both insulting each other and the only yeah. thing that in your mind makes it feel like it's flirty is because Sadie thinks he's hot. Which like, yeah. no! <laughs> no, that's not... He's just, yeah, he's just being a dick. And it's like, that doesn't work. And in this one, too, he's just kind of moody and sad. And at one point he says, I've forgotten how irritating you can be. Yeah. And it's like, that's supposed to be charming. And then there are some dynamics in which it is charming, where it's like you have a character who's like, I'm trying to help you. You're not listening. I'm trying to help. You're not listening. It's like, yeah, you were so irritating sometimes. Why do I like you so much? Yeah. Whereas in this case, he's not being helpful. You've got to have those extra set of words afterwards, haven't you? Yeah, I mean, you gotta say, like, you're just so irritating, but it's like, Anubis, he doesn't come off like he's exasperated, like, he's like, I'm trying, please just let me help, I know I can't do what you want, but like, I'm trying, please, please, please just let me help you, I'm sorry, I'm I'm trying, because my thing is, like, if you're gonna write sad boy death god Anubis, make him more of a sad boy awkwardness, like, he should be way more awkward, is the problem here, is that Anubis is smooth, he can't be smooth, he needs to be awkward, like, when he kisses Sadie, this is supposed to be Awkward 16-year-old who doesn't really know anything about modern courtships, but he knows he really likes this girl. Just going to kiss her for the first time. because I don't know what's going to happen if I don't... I don't know if I get to see you again, but I truly want to kiss you the first time. And it's like the first time Annabeth and Percy kiss. It's right before the St. Helens thing. It's an intense moment. They don't know when they're going to see each other again. It's a lot of feelings. Mm. 
and that works. And what I hate about the scene that Sadie Anubis has is like right after he kisses her, we do this thing that I hate. <laughs> yeah, so she's talking about like, okay, how to get away from... Because he, here's the thing. Anubis shows up and gives her a lot of really good help, right? Mm-hmm. He gives her the the knife the, the for the opening mouth ceremony that I don't remember what it's for, but that's helpful. He tells her, hey, your ride is coming. He tells her how to fight the gods. He's like, go underground. They can't track you well there. Because he's like, he's a death god being underground. You can kind of maybe assume that he can't help them directly, but maybe he can help hide them a little bit underground. I don't know. This is me projecting how to make this ship work when it doesn't. And he also says like, oh, you know, go over water. They're weak over water. And Sadie's like, well, what if I, what, if I leave my friends behind? Will they be safe? Like, because Sadie's like, okay, I'm the one causing the danger. What if I run? And Anubis tells her that won't work. They will kill your friends because it'll make you weak. So he gives her all this help. And he's talking about like, oh, Bobby, he represents the darkest qualities of your primates. As for Bobby, he represents the darkest qualities of you primates. Murderous rage, uncontrolled strength. We primates? I said, sorry, did you just call me a baboon? Anubis studied me in a kind of confused awe. I'd forgotten how irritating you are. My point was that he'll kill you just for the sake of killing. That's supposed to be cute, right? Like, I was supposed to be like, oh my god, they just, they bicker so much and it's so charming, right? Like, that was what I'm supposed to get out of this? Yeah. I don't. So and what then, I'm just thinking was... is, he has technically called her. He like, did. He just he said, did. Like, he oh, called them an primates. <laughs> yeah. It's He's like... called her a name. <laughs> like... Which is like, I, See, yeah. you want the backtrack. See, if, if it's the, if it's the, you just called, did you just call me a baboon? You go, no, 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 no. I no, called you I, a primate. No, that's which, different. Not um, that's different. Yes. yes. Yeah. Oh, and, oh, and you are, you understand the assignment. Make Anubis <laughs> awkward. That is what it is. He needs to be like. I'm gonna just let me just do this thing because this is this is the chapter. This is why I picked this chapter. Like, let me come back here for these chapters, please. <laughs> so they're they're in the, the the. Okay, hold on. I do. Here's the thing though. At the beginning of the sequence, when they're running, Anubis calls to Sadie because they're in this this uh, the church, church that doesn't exist. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, as Owen said earlier, the one that doesn't exist. And <laughs> so Sadie goes in. It's shrouded by mist. So they're like, or not mist, mot, but mist. You know. Listen to Owen's show, Through the Mist. He'll explain everything for you. They're, they're, they're phasing between the two worlds. Yes, and so that weird magic thing. And before they, they're in there, and he asks, they're going to go sit. They're looking for a place to sit where they can talk. And he says, he led me to a crumbling stone sarcophagus and bowed to it respectfully. Beatrice, do you mind if we sit? Nothing happened. And the inscription had worn away centuries ago, but I suppose this was Beatrice's final resting place. Thank you. Anubis gestured me to sit. She doesn't mind. That's fucking cute as hell. You want me to have a crush on the fictional boy? Yes. He asks permission to sit on the gravesite because also he's a death god. Of course he does. Yeah. That shit is cute. They could have added to it as well. Like when Sadie asks, like, well, what happens if she says no? Like, what what if she does mind? And he does. I would have wanted him to like answer, like, do I give? Because he technically like he gives an answer, but it's not the actual answer to her question. He gives an answer to, um, basically tells her where the scroll one. is. So he doesn't yeah. answer her question. But it means so cute if he'd answered with it. It's just like, um, and just kind of gave like a funny answer. It's just like, oh, of a stupid thing that happened in the past where he did this once before, didn't listen to what they said, and he got in trouble I, with Osiris or yeah, something like, like that. I, he's like, I've already learned my mistake. Trust me. If she says she doesn't mind, she doesn't. Like something like that where he's a little bit like, no, I'm, I'm working on it. I'm trying to ask permission. Like, it's fine. Yeah, but which yeah, the, ir- the irony of him asking permission to sit down and then technically kissing her without her permission. And it's the thing I don't like where it's like, 
if you're going to say, hey, don't kiss people without permission, then have just have Anubis ask her if he can kiss her. Yeah, if she then like, is going to follow, it's because she followed it up with, yeah. uh, I can't believe he did that without my permission. And then yes, she kind of plays like, it off. That's why I was kind of just like, yeah. she says it and then it's meant to be a playful thing. I'm like, just yeah, don't like, reference I, that. I'd have no issue. But the fact that you bring it up and then you play it off as something cute is where no, I end up with this issue. Yeah, it is like, yeah, that's what it is. Because the new, because they're the vulture goddess and the boom god are coming. The friends are screaming. We got to go. We got to go. Go, said Anubis. I'm sorry I can't be more help, but happy birthday. Go, Anubis said. I'm sorry I can't do more, but happy birthday, Sadie. He leaned forward and kissed me on the lips. And then he melted into mist and disappeared. The graveyard became normal again, part of a regular, unshimmery world. I should have been very cross with Anubis. Kissing me without permission. The nerve. But I stood there paralyzed, staring at Beatrice's cumbling sarcophagus until Emma yelled, Sadie, come on. And then she's humming happy birthday to herself. And it's like, you don't, and that's that's the thing I don't like when writers do. You don't get to have your cake and eat it too. You don't yeah. get to do the sudden kiss, but by simultaneously be like, ah, but how dare he? I shouldn't have done that. But it, and no, it's okay for Sadie to have been like, I couldn't think straight for a minute. He had just kissed me. I could still feel it on my lips. My heart was beating. Everything, we were still in danger, but I just had a moment where I couldn't help but think happy birthday to me. It's okay for her to be happy that her mm. crush just gave her a quick, soft kiss without the whole, mm, how dare he, I'm feminism. That's, that's what it feels like to me. Like Sadie having that, he kissed me without permission, the nerve. Feels yeah. like hashtag feminism, hashtag girl boss. Yes, especially like, during no. this chapter starts with also her bad mouthing Carter and Walt of like, oh, to think that boys thought they could come save me. Like I did need saving, but that's not pro- that's not the point. I'm like, yeah, don't bring that like, up. <laughs> yeah, I also like I didn't like that either because it's like we don't. Oh, strong female character. <laughs> they wanted to come save me. That's so stupid. I didn't need saving. No, more like uh. I appreciate them trying, but I actually had it under control. Like, that's... Yeah. Yeah, she can have Sadie... Yeah, like, she did, but you can have that without her trashing the male characters, especially, like, one who was supposed to be her crush and the other one who was her brother, who wants to save her because they think she's going to get murdered by gods, like... Yeah, and that was a huge thing, and this is the issue that I do end up having with Sadie, like, almost consistently, is that she doesn't change as a character. She's consistently kind of a shitty person, she doesn't. She's not really nice to anyone. She's she consistently always bad mouths her brother. Doesn't really say anything nice about him except in her head, mm-hmm. and then on the voice recorder sometimes, which is he's then hearing then. But that's all in like future future stuff. Yeah. she doesn't say it in person. And well, then in, when they're in the yeah. future, they've grown to a point where she can feel comfortable saying those nice things about yeah. Carter. But then we we not actually also it'd be it nice if she said nice things to him in her, into his face. Yeah. And so as it could have been a little her bit leaving more. as well. Because that was a huge thing. Like before she left. Hashtag hugs for Carter. So. Yeah. <laughs> hugs, hugs for Carter. For Carter. Carter needs a hug. Because he has yeah. no one. He only yeah, has no. Sadie and occasionally Amos when he's about. Yeah, I accidentally read those chapters because I thought those were these ones. Um, because I didn't know what they were called. I just read the first two Sadie chapters. And like, yeah, her leaving right after saying, uh, yeah, the other magicians might come attack and kill us all. Bye. It's not my responsibility. Uh, she's 13 and she wants to go celebrate her birthday with her friends but also all of these kids are at this place because you brought them here and you have a responsibility I get you're 13 but this is one time where I'm not going to say oh she's 13 like I'm always willing to defend the kids for being kids that's one where I'm like nope but we did need to have these chapters I guess yeah so plot. yeah and it was also the fact that it's like she's leaving her not re- like only older technically by a year brother 
like a, well probably a year and a half probably because still well, Uncle Amos is there yeah but still not seemingly and Khufu come on guys and Khufu Uncle yeah. obvious oh thank you thank you thank you Owen thank yeah. you Owen um <laughs> anyway, uh, this scene would have been way cuter if at the end he's like, I'm sorry, I can't do more, uh, but happy birthday. I, I do have a present for you. And Sadie's like, oh, what? This fancy knife wasn't gift enough? And he's like, no, um, well, I want it. And then they're screaming. He's like, okay. And then Anubis just kisses her real quick. And then maybe here's another fun fact. Instead of just having him melt into the mist and disappear, have him look surprised at himself for what he had just done and mm. like he just ran and away before vanished. she could react yes like maybe he had, like looks startled and then leaves because he doesn't want her to yell at him like maybe he's yeah. scared oh shit i just did that like that's the thing about the sadie and anubis thing it's like if you want to have the mortal hang like be with an immortal and he's supposed to be awkward like there needs to be more awkwardness there needs to feel mm. like this ancient immortal isn't actually manipulating this teenager because i think friend we've talked about before like there there are elements that can be read as like grooming behaviors which i don't mm. personally find but i also acknowledge that like yeah it's kind of a little unnerving that he only ever interacts with her alone only mm. ever shows him this like handsome persona of himself like treats her like she's more important like i think you're absolutely right when like those definitely can be read as like hey this is bad and for like someone who's like experience those kind of things that could be very triggering to read about especially if the end game is supposed to be like a cute teen romance yeah it wasn't handled with enough care to avoid those kind of things and to demonstrate it that's not what's happening what's happening is awkward immortal teenager has a crush on modern mortal girl and so you need to have a yeah. little bit more let the love interest be and for the last time, he's not Cassandra Clare. And I do keep referencing Cassandra Clare because if anyone's going to tell me how to write, like, like, I can't read any of the Shadowhunter books as they're coming out because they just put me through the ringer so much. I just wait until each trilogy is done and then I can read them because the interpersonal relationships in those books, goddamn, do they throw me through a ringer? But also, do I ship every single couple that Cassie wants me to ship? Yes, I do, because the woman is a master at her craft. <laughs> Rick, I know your friends. Like that's what I know. You've said that your friends. You've gotten the name Magnus from her. Take a page. Take a page, my dude. This is not it. This is not how you write the supernatural romance. No. And this is his first attempt to do like supernatural. And it didn't get any better because really. Calypso and Leo is even worse. No, and it's like you made it worse. <laughs> yeah, I I actually like Calypso and Leo and Ogigia, but like Afterwards. I don't know. Yeah. afterwards which i think is like might be the point because like, i'm pretty sure they break up yeah they do like they're they breaking do. up uh, right it's, In... it's it's very unclear it's very unclear it's, it's like dead, but, you know it's really unclear yeah they're on a break she's at band camp and then which is like fine that doesn't necessarily mean they're broken up she's on a trip but the yeah. way reina says to leo don't worry you're a good guy she'll come around I'm gonna shape you up a little bit so it's yeah. easier for you. We're gonna to teach come you around. to respect women. I think we're gonna like make you drink some respect words. women juice. <laughs> yeah. um, and so DJ's he's like, I don't think so. And I'm like, nah, that broken up. Like she broke up with him. Which, if that's the supposed to be the end game, it works a little bit more because if Calypso was supposed to break up with Leo, of course everything they do in the the way station feels weird. But yeah. yeah, this is why I asked to be here because I wanted to talk about. I love me a supernatural romance. I should have loved this the most. <laughs> and I don't because it doesn't work because... Also, they only hang out, like, twice. Like, this is the second time that Sadie has, like, interacted directly with Anubis, right? 
uh third time i think actually because there's because the, the second time is when she's with other people so this is the second time when it's one-on-one okay because the other time was in a group did she talk to anubis then or did she just see him i don't remember and um, she spoke to him but like not a direct conversation i think she has a go at him or something it, um, yeah it was it yeah yeah it's when when we see um julius in blue form again right okay and anubis is there Anubis is there. Sadie just stares at him the whole time until the mum arrives. Yeah. Yeah. That's how so technically they, they don't interact, but he's there. And then she has that whole thing with Carter afterwards of being like, Did you see did you see the handsome boy? And Oh yeah, because earlier it's like jackal headed because they when Carter sees Anubis for the first time, he only sees the jackal headed god. Yeah. And that's because he's hosting Horus and Anubis doesn't like Horus, so he's like, Fuck you specifically. Stay away from me. Yeah. I only want to talk to her. You're an asshole, I'm assuming. Yeah. And doesn't get any money because he never interacts with Carter at any point in this never series. Never. That's another problem is like, yeah, if you want to also have like a good shippy couple, they also have to have relationships with the other characters that are important to the main character, to the character yeah. in the relationship. And yeah, yeah they only Which... hang out like twice. Yeah. And the only, and I have... I mean, it's why I lean more to the whole Walt situation. Oh, the whole Walt. Can I come back for that? You can come back <laughs> for that. Um, because I kind of come back to the end of that. Yeah, the end of both. Yeah, what do I? Yeah, can, come back uh, can I just come back both... and then I come back in like three chapters later? I yeah. I have dibs the um uh the Walt well, almost yeah the Walt sections the well the the end game Walt section in the final battle those chapters mm. I have been like mother I want to come on your podcast and talk about it <laughs> that line has lived in my head for rent free for like nine years let me <laughs> talk about it it's so good because once again. Love me some urban fantasy romance. And that sequence encapsulates what I like about the genre. Yes. No one touches Sadie Kane. Fuck yeah, they don't. Yep. (laughs) Undead demigod boyfriend is here and they're going to kick his ass. (laughs) And yet it still doesn't work for me in this context. No. (laughs) Which I think is disappointing. I feel like they just, like, we just didn't develop the characters enough outside Mm -hmm. of, like, the main two. Like, even Amos and the parents really aren't that developed. No, they do nothing. No. Yeah, um, yeah everyone else is kind of... The parents are very underdeveloped. But, like, parents in most things are underdeveloped. Like, even as much as we love And Sally these are also Jackson, hashtag dead parents. So. They're hashtag dead parents, so it's wild yeah. that they get any developed. Um, even <laughs> Sally Jackson, for as much as she is, like, mom goals, that is kind mm. of the beginning and end to her, is she's a great mom, though. And we know she's been through stuff, and we know, like, there's a lot there, but like parent uh, characters. You know she's doing other things. Books. Yeah, she's doing other yeah, things than know. just mum things. But yeah. Oh, yeah. do you uh, do you have any thoughts about Sadie and Anubis or how to do proper uh, good ships in fantasy romance? I feel like I've really dictated the stage here. <laughs> I think I was just waiting for the next section. <laughs> okay, it's not like we're still only on chapter seven. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I know. I, I came I came on here fully knowing that I would have a made a majority of section where I wouldn't have much input. Um, <laughs> this is how I feel about the next session, so we should probably because I don't have anything else to say about this, make Anub- Anubis should have been more awkward and just let Sadie like the fact that her crush kissed her. Like it's Yeah. It's okay. And Amelia also just true. additional on my side, she should have been older in general. Like I think she should have been thirteen older. from the start. I think they should have been twins. 
Yeah. I, I think Carter and Sadie should have been 14 years old and they should have been twins. That would have been so much cooler. Thank you. Yeah, right? I, I, can, I can agree with, yeah. I oh, so. And then the whole, like, their magic. Devastation. That would add to the devastation. Yes. Oh, between and, the and that whole double magic thing where they're together, their magic shows. Yes! It makes, it kind of makes very little sense because you're telling me no magician has siblings, but if they were twins, automatically the weird mystical twin thing that's just associated with twins, yeah, totally, they can't be around each other because you just, like, rarely see their magic do that in the books. When they're yeah, the one cake explosion and yeah, something the cake else thing. happens a bit later. But, but like, we don't see them. Like, listen, Twitches did it better. Yeah, Twitches did it better. Go Twitches, go Twitches, <laughs> go Twitches. Um, <laughs> go watch Twitches. It's amazing. It's great. It's, um, I don't know. If though maybe up, not the second one. The second one's all right, but I don't think it's as good as the first. They're based on books. Oh, they actually. I need Pretty to read sure. the books. Yeah. If they are, I'm going to read the books. Okay, um, we do that. Bonus episode behind a paywall. Bonus episode. Yes, behind, you know, I love a paywall. <laughs> um, okay. But yes, going into the <laughs> next chapter now, because I think, I think we're good on chapter seven at this point. So let's go into chapter eight now, just whilst we're on it. So this is the overview for chapter eight. Major delays at Wardley Station. We apologize for the baboon. I'm pretty sure this may be one of the longest chapter titles as well, by the way. Mm-hmm. It's also, it's the too long. The chapter light is too long. It doesn't need the brackets. No, it does not. Um, but this is the overview for chapter eight. Making it to the underground, probably Canary Wharf, even though they just don't say it and they technically left, but anyway, um, and jump on the first train for the Jubilee line. While on the train, Sadie retrieves her magical ointments and, after a good cry, opens up about being a magician to her friends. Arriving at Wardley Station, Babby <laughs> follows and nearly destroys the station. With a burst of pure magic, the girls make it out and find a chauffeur waiting after destroying the building. Kinda. Mm-hmm. This is Bess, the god of dwarves, and he's going to be driving them to safety. Or, you know, safe enough. Not necessarily to safety, but, you know, safe enough. Making their final stand on a bridge, we are introduced to a new form of godly power known as Ugly. <laughs> Fighting Babby and terrifying Neckbet, the enemies flee, freeing Sadie's grandparents. Having to leave her friends and family behind to head to Russia, Sadie and Bess head off before bumping into her slightly late rescuers in the form of Walton Carter. The trio has now formed and they're off to distant... No, they're not in Europe. Are they Europe? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Distant Europe. (laughs) For a second, I was like, "This slightly like that could be a controversial take at this current point," but I don't even know. Oh, no, <laughs> they're on the. I mean, if you ask them, they're not in either continent because that would mean that it split and it splits the country in two. But you know, whatever. <clears throat> oh yeah, because technically they're in like continent-wise, they're technically like half Europe, half Asia. It's like yeah, like a quarter Europe. And the <laughs> yeah. Oh, they got Anyway. Yes, we are talking about Russia. Right, right, right. I think that's supposed to be part of the Asian continent. Yeah, but like then, like Moscow and like that section, uh-huh. a lot of people will say that's in Europe. There's like a river, and oh, like that's almost the a river. divide. Okay, okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. Geography's weird. <laughs> I, I, continents are made up anyway. That's true. One hundred percent. Oh, and go. Yes. What? 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 Talk about the mess up that is the tra- the geography in the trains. You okay? You, so I did these chapters, so, and you were like, "I want to talk about the trains." I'm like, "Those are my chapters. Pick a different chapter." And friend was like, "You both could do it. Go." <laughs> okay, so 
So here's the here's the thing. I'm gonna backtrack a little into seven, just because we got to start at the start of their journey, and then we'll walk walk our way through their journey. So apparently, they start at Sadie's house, which has to be on the east bank. There's very little east banks on the Thames for people that don't know. Um, get a map of Google. No, I'm joking. It's fine. Don't um, do it unless you're driving. Then don't do it. Yeah, you can follow along. Um, yes, okay, so we're going to start in Canary Wharf, um, slash the Isle of the Dogs, because that's kind of the best, because we know she lives around there, it was stated in the first book. Mm. And on the East Bank, uh, so we start there. Um, if we follow purely the book rules, we would come out onto uh, South Connellade. There's no houses around that road at all, that's in the middle of the financial district. What are you doing? Pure office buildings there will be no houses around there there's no way you can live on the east bank north bank and and uh walk straightly out onto south Conway. that doesn't work so that's 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 strike number one uh strike I'll number two as as we've already mentioned is the church mm-hmm. uh rick goes oh it's england there must be a load of old buildings everywhere Yeah, so the history of Canary Wharf uh, is that it was the old dockyards, hence Docklands Light Railway, if you're ever using the transport round there. Um, And so there was basically zero churches. I did, because I'm me, I googled around the world and I did find a church, St. Luke's of Millwall, which technically would be on the path of if she actually lived on the East Bank of the Isle of the Dogs, uh, to get to Canary Wharf, because that is the only tube station around there, so she has to go through that, which is fine. Um, uh, but that church, the original building was bombed in World War II, then it was replaced with a new building that was then demolished and replaced with a new building fit for the 21st century. There's, there's no graveyards or century-old gravestones around there. It's just not it's not. It's the wrong place for that to happen. <laughs> Sorry. There's probably bodies underneath the ground around there, but there's no ridiculously old things. If you're going to be put in the middle of a big dockyard, you're going to get bombed during one of the wars at some point. Um, and then she can make it to Canary Wharf. And then this is where we're now. So now we're starting... Now I think this is chapter eight. We're back at chapter eight, guys. Yes. We've reached chapter eight. So you're running along, passes the boots, passes the Cafe Nero that may or may not exist in the right places because, as we've already <laughs> stated, none of this works out properly. Yeah, I was going to say, there is the Cafe Nero, but it's um, a 20-minute walk away from the Canary Wharf station. So... She goes into Canary Wharf station, pops on the Jubilee line. Everything's <laughs> great. What? No, it's. I love hearing you say "hops on the Jubilee line." You've said it on your podcast, but it's just sounds magical and made up. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The Jubilee line. Hops on the Jubilee line. Like what? That's nonsense. That's what a Narnia next. <laughs> We've had this conversation on your podcast already. Yeah. So she uh, she hops on the Jubilee and heads. Let me westbound. I'm full mapping this out right now. Um, <laughs> heads, heads westbound 
towards because her plan is that she states later on was to get off at London Bridge because it's like a 10 minute, five minute, like a two minute walk out of the station. Not from the platforms because that's plus, but from the entrance ticket barrier line. I don't know. I can't remember what the word is right now. It's annoying me. Um, <laughs> but out to at the actual bridge and fair enough to Rick, London Bridge is on the Jubilee line. So well done. Uh, but she misses it, so she goes to the next place you can think of, Waterloo Station, and pops up there. And now we're properly in, which is, uh, which is good. Waterloo Station, as described, is pretty good. It's pretty good. I like it. It's great. Love it. Waterloo Station was the UK's busiest station until pandemic, when it got dropped down to fourth, um, because pandemic. And and then they run to Waterloo Bridge, which is. Well, one, two, they hop, they get their best chauffeur to Waterloo Bridge, which does work. There's some other things as well, if you want me even more pick a nick and city. Like the fact that the announcements aren't the announcements. You wouldn't you wouldn't hear that announcement at all on the train sta- on that train station especially. What it would, would you be hear? Oh thank you. <clears throat> bing, bing. The train at platform three is the twenty oh two Southwest Trains railway service to Basingstoke, calling at. I don't know the stations. I'm not going to do the entire list. List the stations here. Or for the delayed service, it'll be more like the 2014 Southwest Trains railway service to Brighton has been delayed. We apologise for this inconvenience. That they would be much more. (laughs) That's the. That's the. That's the. That's, oh, that was a really fun one I had recently. Um, but like hearing I, a train be delayed? Oh, yeah, it was so funny. <laughs> so we had, I mean, I'm going to say recently, I don't get trains too often, so I'm not going to fully date this recording, but Storm Eunice happened. Um, oh, it was a big storm that we had here in the UK. It was like red level warnings. Um I mean, yeah, I figured it was probably bad. It was just like, oh, I'm not going to date this level. Do you remember when there was a crazy storm? <laughs> I mean, but it was like a while ago now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Storm Eunice happened and I was, I was getting a train. And one of the announcements I heard, because every single train was limited to 50 miles an hour, which is slow for us, um, was was uh, there there may be delays due to severe weather warnings between Penzance and Paddington. That's the entirety of that network of lines. Oh, just everything. The the entire (laughs) network of the South. That's the entire length of the line. It's all trains. Everything is delayed. Sorry, guys. Sucks to be you. Yeah. Oh, no. Trains. That's all train talk. And, I mean, yeah. That's train talk. Train talk! (laughs) Owen, how should have Rick written the sequence? What was the correct way to do this? I mean, like, most of it's fine. Like, to the church, you have to... I don't know. I don't know how we would fit in the church. Like, make her live somewhere else, but but they fit fix that in from getting a taxi from Heathrow to Canary Wharf like an absolute set of idiots from the first book. Um, 
Who would get a taxi from here? I was say, I read that and I was like, that's going to be at least nearing a grand. <laughs> like, it's the dumbest thing in the world. Um, That's a bus. There is a bus. There are trains. Like, there is anything. Yeah, oh, so much, much more cheaper. <laughs> much simpler ways. Um, so, church, I mean, just not put her in Canary Wharf, but he's fixed that in. So, I guess we can make that up. up. It's fine. We're in a fictional universe anyway. Mm-hmm. But basically, his major wrong is chucking them on South Colonnade because that does not work. That's the that's the major wrong. Everything else you can kind of go, okay, yeah, fine, whatever. It's quite a run. It's about probably about an hour's. Actually, I could find out, but it's a quite a run to get everywhere. We'll chuck you in the park. It is. I mean, it's a about a mile run that they're doing that for to get to Canary Wharf Station from roughly where she would have to live. So, I mean, he also he also talks about blocks, which are not a thing in the UK. So you know, mm-hmm. we don't travel by blocks here. What do you travel by? We don't have a very gridded system. <laughs> what do oh, you yeah, travel by? Just meters or minutes. Oh, okay, yeah, that's about that's... fifteen minutes that way. Usually, cool. yeah. It was, there was a similar thing, though. It was like a few chapters earlier, uh, Sadie referred to school as middle school and high school. And I Mm-mm. had like an emotional meltdown of like, she wouldn't even know what middle school is because I don't know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> and she's only been in America for like seven weeks and she doesn't even go to school. So it was um, it was an emotional breakdown moment for me. Um, <laughs> it was the same thing about Kim. Ka- I, okay, I know it's an actual thing, but him calling everything a kiosk I didn't know what that was. I figured oh. it was the name of a building, like to do with like shopping building area things, but like that's so not really stand. something we call. It's oh like, yeah, yeah. It's like a little, a little like shopping stand. So it's not like a full store, but it's like you're walking through, and it's like not like a cart because it's like more permanent, but it's like got a cover over it, and and that's what we I call. Think I would have called them a mall. kiosk. I'm sorry. Oh man. wait, hold on. Okay, so he fucked up. He fucked up with that kiosk. Oh. He talked about Paper Chase kiosk. Paper Chase would not have a kiosk. They have a store. <laughs> that's an actual shop. They don't do kiosks. That's well, an actual some... shop. I mean, some. Like... I mean, okay. I work in a mall. We have we had a kiosk for a while during pandemic. So there are some stores that like here's our store, but we put a kiosk out there as advertisement. So when you're walking in the main thing, yeah, yeah, you but see that kiosk no, yeah. maybe is that but not like, a thing? I'm that presuming. I'm presuming that these kiosks were on Waterloo Station, I'm going to okay. guess. Sure. Um, which means that they would have been like, literally, a, a, a drive-through, but you weren't driving. You just walk uh, up to... So no. You walk up, you walk up to a stand and go, oh, can I have a hot chocolate or coffee or a tea? Yeah. And they go, okay, make it for you. Here's five quid. Or give us and five quid. And that store quid, would whatever. not have a kiosk. But that that's the kiosk. Okay. And yeah, then, most most kiosks are usually like paper chase would not be that. That would be a form. yeah. Oh, paper okay. chase do notebooks and stuff like that. Like they notebooks. Paper can't... chase was, yeah, they're a stationery store. Yeah. Okay, so like... kiosks are usually for food stuff. There is really like not common for it to be like for novelty or like home goods. Yeah, unless it's like touristy stuff. Like sometimes they can have like the little London bears and yeah. like, London buses and like that sort of touristy stuff you can get in a kiosk. But yeah, you'll get like food or newspaper. That's about it. <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh, so, so yeah, that's a huge mistake. Us. That's just an assumption that. Uh, yeah, you just need to look at a photo. Like, like a photo would show the kiosks of like what they are. And I know he put Paper Chase in because it's like a known British brand, but like. In my head, I was like, 100%, Paper Chase would be offended to be called a kiosk because they're like, they're like the snobby stationery mm. sort of stores of like high, in huge quotes, high end, like posh novelty sort of stationery stuff. But yeah, they're the fancy chain. They're the fancy chain that like, if you have okay. money, you go to Paper Chase. Paper Chase. And Otherwise, you... you're just popping down to Staples. <laughs> yeah, the Staples <laughs> go to sta- yeah, go to Staples. What are we doing here? <laughs> That's interesting. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Is the body shop also a real store? Yeah. Yeah, it's like shampoos and like perfumes and all these yeah. sort of stuff. slightly less stinky lush. Okay, yeah, because yeah, it, 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 every time I forget that it is supposed to be like a bath and body works and not like a mechanic auto shop. Yeah. It's a body <laughs> shop, and it's, I associate that phrase with, yeah, the car body shop. You're going to the auto body shop, like. Yeah. I can, I could get changes. that because that would make sense, but yeah, there's, there were a lot of things that were referenced there that like I don't actually hold. On, let me double check actually because I want to know what is in Waterloo Station. I know it possibly would have changed in the. I mean, change. probably. When did this one come out? I mean, there uh, is a big is clock. Waterloo does have a big clock. It's in a lot of films, or is that a different? I think. No, that I'm pretty is... sure Waterloo has no. Yeah, Waterloo has a clock that is in a lot of films. Yeah. Shops. Um. Um, but I mean, there's a Smiths. Without even looking, I know there's a Smiths. Yeah, I'm surprised that they didn't. Uh, that they didn't. I'm surprised that Rick didn't mention Smiths because that's so English. Um, Every transport, don't, don't matter where you're going, if you're a major transport destination, there's a Smiths. Yeah. Is that like a Cinnabon or like what is a Smiths? So they News do like books, stationery, food, like small little snacky stuff, like sweets and stuff oh, like that, okay. magazines. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's kind of like a little bit of everything in a shop. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. There's things like that in airports in the US. I don't know what they're called, but there is one brand that just does all of them. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's not showing me all the shops. I want to see what the shops are. <laughs> um, but I can just get a list. Hold on, let me look. So they do have a paper chase. That's fine, I assumed. Got Hotel Chocolates. Oliver Bonas, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> Scribbler, which would is just another like greeting cards and stationery and stuff. Was this information is easily accessible in like 2010, you think? I mean I the internet wasn't so. brand new, but I don't yeah. I honestly like don't remember anymore. Oh, there's a pret. Been. How could I forget a pret? Of course there's a pret. Yeah. The pasty stop. They do have the pasty shop. So at least that's accurate for the pasties. Uh, past- pasties? I'm saying it's pasties. I, mean, it's meant to be I was pasties. about to say, isn't it the pound? <laughs> yeah. It's because of how it's spelled that I, I got really confused because it's it's spelt pasty, but I'm reading it it's meant to be read as pasty, but I got really confused. <laughs> the pasty shop. Um, then, yeah, WH Smith's prep. Boots. Yeah, Boots is accurate. M&S. Fat Face. They've got a fat face. Waterloo really is an absolutely huge station. Yeah. So the oh, problem is the shops. Sh- the problem is the kiosks. The kiosks. Yeah, there aren't really that many kiosks. It looks like from some of the photos. Um, Waterloo Station. I just want to bring up photos. I'm just intrigued, like about the level of kiosks. I don't think there are that many. No, wouldn't be because it's it's it is the mainline terminus that was the busiest station yeah. in the entirety of the UK. 
be. Yeah. He is. The only reason it's not is because pandemic. Um, yeah, actually, I'm looking at the photos now. There are no kiosks whatsoever. There might like there might be a pop up kiosk. Yeah, pop up. Like, the only things I can it. see that are like in the center where maybe like a kiosk would be are ticket stations, like where you would buy your tickets. That's the only thing I can see there, which are under the big clock. The big clock that he does reference and is actually there. Woohoo! Yeah, he got one thing. <laughs> um, Darren's understanding everything we're saying right now. Yeah. Shows all the all American audience. This is great. I mean, he gets Waterloo. What Waterloo Station itself is pretty good. I'm just I get most frustrated with his journey <laughs> from Canary Wharf, which it's really the it's really just the the path they take. Yeah, it's just the path they take. It's really all it is. And yeah. And the fact that that where she was lives definitely accessible because you could have at least got a printed out map of the, of London. Yeah, and you've definitely been over here, Rick. I know that for a fact. You reference Swindon in one of your books, and no one knows where that is. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, there are there are just a few things, Emily. That was the one. What was it that you said about Canary Wolf? Like where she lives is the financial district, so there aren't any houses there. So where well, she that, lives, so that road, that place. road that he references is like the the main one of the like the main road through the financial area of Canary Wharf the bit Which... that the banks like helped invest to make look pretty the yeah. reason the entire DLR even exists like everything <laughs> that's what that road is there's no if there's housing through there it's in really tall flats but it's also not on the east bank yeah and like so like it just doesn't because you've got to struggle to find an East Bank on along the Thames. Mm. <laughs> or the ISIS, depending on where you want to what you want to talk about it as. <laughs> yeah. There's just um I think I feel like there could have been a little bit more research, but I guess like admittedly I'm not the most knowledgeable about London myself and I live in England, but it's also because I don't really care about London. Um, <laughs> it's like that whole thing like the big cities that are just like everyone always talks about London to the point where I'm just like I hate London because everyone talks about London uh, everything's like, set there therefore I hate it it's yes. like how Jersey people feel about New York if you boil it down that's why they hate New York yeah and that's the truth of it and I get that I feel that it's accurate <laughs> <laughs> and I can understand that because it's the same for the rest of the world rest of the country about London because London is the centre of everything and we hate them for it. Um, That's fair. Mainly because they're the ones who get like all the financial benefits from the government. Even though it only goes mm. into the rich areas and not into, you know, the areas that, you know, are poorer. Need it. Yeah. Isn't everything great? Anyway. Yeah. Which also I just realised does actually, considering she's near Canary Wharf, even if she's in an area that shouldn't exist, she lives near Canary Wharf, which means the Fausts are rich right okay like, yeah mm, so much money like i said posh chav yeah posh chav 100 percent um she's and... she's posh but she's not like i bet she, she goes to a she like, hangs a out on the naughty well. side of posh because she's a rebellious little one that one yeah mm-hmm. i bet she goes to private school that's like 100 percent what i'm thinking is that she, she goes to private school i don't know yeah i don't know i feel like that'd be know. the case because she Idiot. did that whole rebellion thing of like putting this stripe of colour in her hair because, like, schools didn't really care. Like, obviously, they cared about it to an extent, but they didn't care about it that much. But private school, we do something like that. They throw a fit. Yeah. (laughs) In comparison to, like, yeah, you'll get some shit at, like, public school, but... 
everyone's a little shit at public school during a degree mm. so like they can't really control it to to a certain level um because the whole thing was like what was it that she got to minimize like, it not control it <laughs> yeah minimize it out of it um yeah so i feel like she goes she's rich and she goes to a private school um but she's rebellious so she's one of the cool private school kids yeah um, yeah and in the books, when she's like with her friends, she like mentions, oh, how like after like seeing like, being chased by the gods and seeing Sadie like pulling the the thing, the her bag out in the train and all this stuff, like her friends are like taking it really well. And Sadie has a line was like, well, of course they are. I don't hang out with weak willed girls. I found that line kind of icky. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Like just because like I think like maybe another. 12 13 year old girl would have been like this is overwhelming and i'm freaking out equating not being able to handle that with a week which is like yeah friend, mm. i think you're bringing me around the whole i don't think i like sadie thing yeah because there's also another bit in in chapter eight where i think it's yeah no it is chapter eight um of i don't get why she keeps bad mouthing zia because there's like a whole thing in this section where she's like she says, oh, she doesn't want to be like Zia bossing people around. Because like, she's telling her friends what to do to help them not die. And yeah. she says that she... I was like, oh, God, I sound like Zia. I don't want to be like Zia. Um, and I like, mentions multiple times about not liking Zia. Until that finally... That particular then... moment. That particular moment where yeah. she goes, oh, when she realises she's being like Zia. I never, I never read it as that. I same Owen. Yeah, I thought I, because I, I actually in my notes I was like, oh, I'm glad Sadie is giving Zia her due, as in realizing, because she perceives Zia as being so bossy. She told she was just pushing the card around and telling us what to do, and she realizes I'm doing the exact same thing right now. I think this might be what you were about to say, friend, where she realizes, mm-hmm. oh, that's why Zia was doing that because she's the only person who knew what was going on, and she needed mm-hmm. us to do things exactly right. Or we were all going to die. Yeah. And I think it's the later realisation. Like, when it got to that bit, I was like, okay, we're, we're cool now, Sadie. Because you recognise, you know, it's not okay to bash women. Especially because they knew what was up. Um, yeah. Like- but, yeah, it was it was more because, like, I picked on that the first time. Because she did that. And, like, nearly all the time she interacted with Zia in the first mm-hmm. book was her. Yeah. Kind of bad-mouthing her in some way. Of, or just not liking her. Um and just kind of going on about it a little bit. Um, so seeing that, I was like, oh, for God's sake. And then she 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 solves it, and we're cool, and it's all good. But yeah. Um, yeah, just kind of from your note about, you know, I'm not friends with weak-willed girls, that then just reminded me of that a little bit. And it's just, it's very much, again, that whole strong female character thing of if there aren't other strong female characters, you're going to talk shit about them sort of vibe, or just like yeah, not you have to... talking kindly about women. Yeah, make this character look stronger by tearing other characters down. Like, make Emma and, and um, God, what's the other one's name? Lizzie. Liz, Liz. Seem like, oh, wow, they're so cool and capable by being like, other girls wouldn't get it. Yeah. Which I know. What's the thing I keep on seeing? Not like other girls? Hashtag yeah. Not like other girls? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that going on. It's 2011, gang. Yeah, it's okay true. to be like other girls. I like being like other girls. Other girls yeah. are cool, guys. Like it's super fun, actually. Exactly. They do neat things. But For sure. yeah, I. This is another like teenage moment thing where like Sadie has a breakdown on the train because yeah. it's too much, and her friends come for her, and it's really sweet. Yeah, I did read this right after watching Turning Red, and I was like, oh, this could have been done better. 
Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking this. Turning Red is so good. Oh my so god! Good. Please go watch Turning Red. It yeah. is. Oh my god! It's amazing. Listen, I, I know. I know Disney gang. No, we know Disney's up to some shady shit. But Pixar, y'all gotta support. Yeah. Pixar we gotta support the Pixar. We gotta support the Pixar. Um, especially considering, my like, panda, you know, panda. they're gonna deliver on the emotional, the emotional oomph. And they do. Mm-hmm. So hard, but, like, but not in the quiet way this time. It's different. Oh, I well, still cry. It's different. I, was gonna say, I still cried. <laughs> I still cried. I was like, I don't know what there's you're talking this, about. I still wept. Nah, the pic- Turning Red is a slightly different Pixar. If you're if you're if you're going Pixar like Toy Story, Turning Red's more okay. like Luther. Yes, much this is more true. Luther. It's, Toy Story Four specifically was scientifically engineered to make you cry. I didn't mm-hmm. care for it. This one makes you emotional in a way that is genuine and real and not by like, we're going to pluck at those strings you can't help but sob. It's more just like, this is a moment somebody had and if you had it too, then maybe you will feel something if you didn't and enjoy the artwork. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. It's again. Toy Story 2 vibes with the Jesse song. No, the no the Jesse song gets you no matter what. I don't care. If you, if you, if you didn't at least feel sad during the Jesse song, you are not alive. The Jesse song. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we have this whole moment of her friends comforting her and like following Sadie's lead and like being there for her. But simultaneously, Sadie's like, oh, we're growing apart. Like things are different now. I, I would have just hung, like last year, we would have just been able to like hang out and been fine. And now this year, we're doing all this. And it's because like I have this new life I'm living. And it's like, yeah, because these girls never show up again. Like we're done yeah. with them after this. It's the same with Jazz. Jazz is introduced in the first chapter um, as this healer magician. Mm-hmm. She's then put into a coma for the rest of the book. Yeah. But at least she does appear in the next book. Yeah. Liz and Emma do not yeah. literally don't appear ever again. But it's like Same it, the grandparents, the... I think, as well. I think this is the last That's... time we see the grandparents. I'm fine this with that last... one. It's like at the <laughs> end of this chapter when uh, they, you know, deal with the problem as, you know, Sadie Wood did and did some cool magic shit and was able to save her friends. That's very nice. But there's no power of friendship moment because that's not what it's about. It's about mm. family. It's not about friendship. Okay. Uh, she talks about like, she's like, okay, let's let's go. She wants her friends to come with her. And Bess is like, nope, they can't come. They cannot come with us. We got to go. They can't come. They're mortals. And so Sadie has this whole thing of like, oh, yeah, like. Hold on, I'm going to reference it. I mean, I should have bookmarked it. I usually am better at this. I think it's near the end of that chapter, so... I mean, yeah. that would be right at the end, because it's kind of how the chapter ends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I just have to find it. Um, uh, That's page 140 yeah. is the end on my side. My heart realized it was being stretched in more directions than Bess's face. I realized the dwarf was right. They'd, they'd be safer here facing the assault team than going with us. And I realized, too, that they didn't belong on a magic quest. My grandparents had chosen long ago not to use their ancestral abilities. My friends were just mortals. Brave, mad, ridiculous, wonderful, but but mortals. And they couldn't go where I had to go. And, yeah, but also, I don't know, that really made me sad. Yeah. Like, it's all about, like, Sadie having to, like, they, yeah, they can't go. They can't protect themselves on this mission. They don't have the power to do so. And because... You have to be born special in the Rick Riordan books to get to be special. They don't get to come into her world or continue to be the support system that Sadie very clearly needs right now. Like, she doesn't mm. have anybody she's willing to, like, let her guard down around who can be there to support her, who can, like, lift her up when she really needs it. Like, and that just really did make me sad. Yeah. And I don't know. 
Do you think this is uh, Owen? This is this is one of Owen's random thoughts that he has no hasn't thought through at all. But do you think it's like Rick attempting to do like the metaphor of of losing friends when you move to a new place? Or I mean, it's a bit literal in this case. But, I would say even. Oh, sorry, finish that. No, it's fine. I was just going to repeat what I just said. <laughs> uh, I would say it's even like, I definitely, I think you're right. It's a, a metaphor. I would say it's even more of a grander than not just like losing friends when you physically move, but like losing those bonds when you physically change. Mm-hmm. Like Sadie is changing as a person and her friends will no longer have a place in the bonds she's going to create. We see that with the fact that they just never come back. She And it's... In one way, that's fine. That's what happens when you grow. There are relationships that we don't keep forever. And that's not a bad thing. And it's not a wrong thing. It's just a thing that happens. And in the moment, it can be really sad. And reflecting on it, it can be really sad to miss those things, but also just understand why you can't continue to keep them because they just have no place anymore. But in this one, particularly, I find it sad because it seems to suggest that like Sadie doesn't get to have that period anymore. Mm -hmm. And it also amplifies that like, there is no place for this magical world for bonds that are not simultaneously magical. Her parents have rejected it, therefore, or her grandparents rejected their ancestral bonds, so they don't belong in her world anymore. And her friends never even get the opportunity to have that. And so... Also, Sadie, how do you know they're not magicians? How okay, do so you this, know? This, this, here, comes, here, here comes another Owens talking about law thing again, which everyone <laughs> loves. Um, I, I Yes, you have a podcast about it. I love it. <laughs> I know, but I feel like if I do it on someone else's podcast, no, it's a do, bit it. Weird. do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. So, do it, do it. here's here's the question that I'm going to pose to you two. Ah, uh-huh. okay. So we'll assume that they're mortal. We'll take that as the base level. Mm-hmm. But do they see what's going on? Actually, do they see through oh. glamour, dawn, mist, whatever you want to call it in this uni- in this part of the universe, uh, or are they more like Paul? No, they, they they see, see Anubis. It. Yeah, they see Anubis. They both they are Anubis. like that boy kissed you. They see her hand disappear in the duat. They yeah. see the baboon. They see Nekbet. They're seeing everything that's happening. So I think I think they can. I think they have the ability to see through, which means they can have a connection to the magical world, like Rachel Elizabeth Dare did, and mm-hmm. even Sally Jackson to an extent as well. Like. <gasps> Is it, or is it just because they're 13 slash 12? Oh, because this is the thing where you can see through it easy. But there are sometimes kids can't see it at all. Yeah, because no, there was yeah, that kid no, on the yeah. arch who um, just saw the Chihuahua as a Chihuahua instead of the Chimera. Yeah. <laughs> she still saw it as a Chihuahua. I, I've, I also recently realized that they never actually explain this entire can mortals see, see what's actually going on in the Kane Chronicles. I can't uh, think yeah. of it. They think it's a moose. In the chapter I was on last time, Fran, the uh, set beast. Oh, the set is... beast, yeah. But they never explain. They never like. It's just they just no it's just stated. It. I yeah, think. So they, like, like the mist. They, like it's named the mist. Yeah, they don't. It's named the mist. It's name named the glamour. They never. It's just. Oh, they never they say just, it's the same thing. They yeah. never say anything. They just say they don't see it. I guess. I think yeah. like when you read, if you're like reading all of them and getting a bigger picture of the universe, you definitely get a sense that this is supposed to be the same thing. Like all of these books are oh. actually operating on the same rules, except when they don't, because convenient for plot for Emma and Liz to be able to see things and support Sadie in this moment. Yeah. 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 I think that's the oh, one thing. I think that would have been 
good world building. And I might like the King Chronicles is really good for magic, but like the magic system like in some aspects, like of it, but they miss a lot of things too as well. Yeah, that's I another think, thing think, we talked about. Oh, and you go. I think with the Liz and Emma thing about seeing through, if if it was acknowledged by Sadie, either way, like just saying she was surprised that they she they could see everything or. Or, or was it more? Trying or that? Oh, that they'll they'll or she their, their minds will slowly fade and they'll forget exactly what happened or what they saw yeah. and reinterpret it. That like, like they maybe when they were in the action they saw exactly what was happening, mm-hmm. but later on maybe the, as soon as Sadie leaves, sort of thing, their brain starts to reinterpret everything that they just saw into collect into what everyone else saw as well yeah like there was a animal there was a giant mon- there's an animal rampage right something yeah. somehow or a, a gas explosion at one and we were with sadie we were running away because like, there was yeah. a fire That's... or something that could have been something that she could have mentioned in uh, like the passage that you read darian of like her talking about like her like her and her friends separating like a line in there of just like and that couldn't even that couldn't be more obvious in the fact that i know the moment i leave they're gonna forget. They're gonna forget. Yeah, like just one yeah, line. Like, just one line would have been a thing. I think that's what makes it sad because it feels like it doesn't have to be this way for Sadie and Liz and Emma. It doesn't have to be they mm. can't be a part of my world, period, full stop. They can't come right now. We're about to run on a, a mission and uh, do some crazy bullshit and they can't come on this particular one. It's too dangerous. They have no knowledge of it. But I'm gonna come back. Mm. I'm gonna tell you everything. And, or yeah. just like, I'll come back. Like, we here's, and, here's and, my and, card to Brooklyn House. <laughs> yes, like basically, like, I'll be back. Or it's like, I'm going to take you to Brooklyn House. Like, I'll show you what I've been up to. But if you have the line where that says that she literally can't do it because there are rules, that makes it sad, but it like makes it feel less unexplained. Like, unexplained, or just like, because Sadie doesn't, because there are times when you're like, I don't need this person anymore for X, Y, Z. And you let these bonds go. But if there are still the people who are like, no, I want to keep you. You can find ways to fold your life in a way that you're not there all the time. That bond's not the same, but it's still valuable. And Sadie wants those bonds to still be valuable, but she's kind of just, it feels like letting them go to go with the metaphor of like growth and like, you know, loss of childhood and growing up and letting go of, Mm -hmm. letting go of um, childish things like your grandparents and your friends. Whereas if there was a line of like, already I could see they looked confused. Like they didn't know what was happening. They weren't looking at Bess anymore as if they couldn't see him anymore. Yeah. Like let that come in. And it's just like, you're fighting. And that's what that, I would like that more because it feels like Sadie letting them go. But as if the reality is sometimes you have to let things go because there are forces out of your control. Yeah. And all you can do is keep moving forward and find the bonds that are you can hang on to. Yeah. Yeah, it just makes sense. Bess is cool, though. I forgot Bess was... I forgot that we meet Bess in the second book and that he is not in the first book. He's a <laughs> second book character. Because he's just so good. I actually forgot I love Bess so much. And was delighted to discover... Oh, this is Bess's intro chapter. Fuck yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah, I like... Bess is an interesting introduction of a character. Like, he's the one... He's Millie, he's one girl that I didn't necessarily expect to be introduced in this mm-hmm. Egyptian mythology series just because, like... In comparison, I don't think he says no in mythology. Oh, yeah, you're definitely not seeing, like... 
I mean, oh, it's the aesthetic that we see a lot, like the reason, like the mummy, or like when you have like animated shows that do Egyptian stuff. I mean, yeah, yeah it's the big five plus Anubis, like Anubis, maybe as well. Is like one, that yeah, always like, yeah, it's like there's like yeah. I mean, there's literally the five that we get introduced to in the last book, mm-hmm. except except it's for Horus, instead of water, instead of whoever the water goddess is. I feel bad for forgetting Nephis. her name now. Nephthys. That's it. Nephthys. Because yeah. the five is Nephthys, Set, Osiris, Isis, and there is another one. Who is the other one? Oh my god. Wait. Horus. Yeah. Was Horus one of the five? I yeah. Mm-hmm. Even... Oh yeah, no, because that was one of the stories. Because I got confused because in other stories he's also Osiris is and Isis's son. Yeah, which I love. What I love, I world building wise, I love that Rick went. Yeah, so the whole possession thing, yeah, that carried through, and he was originally they were originally all siblings, and then the next set that they inhabited, or slash possessed, slash whatever, whatever. you want to call it, they were mother, father, and son. Mm-hmm. So, like, if this one was inspiring, you would have, like, a version of it where Horus and Isis were siblings and Osiris was their father. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I like that. That was, I like to say, like, there's some good world building, like, in the magic and stuff and the way this was structured. Those are very interesting. Mm. Like, the way it's, like, how do you cope with the fact that there are a lot of different versions of, like, the myths that we still have and then the relationship. Because Egypt was long. It was old it's old in a way that we can't properly fathom mm. old we're it's closer to cleopatra than cleopatra was to the pyramids of giza yeah it's and that's like that just doesn't make sense really with the way we are presented with what egypt is like to mm. like you know us and so i think rick did a really good job because it's like you have that sometimes you stumble upon that in like the different like in percy jackson you have the greek retellings and you're like well, dealing with a very different version of the myth than uh, other people would see and I'm not sure how I feel about this mm. this one feels like a very like clever way to cope with that while simultaneously bringing something very interesting into the concept of being hosts for gods pushes the story along a lot yeah I can agree with that it's just it's it's interesting with with how it's all done but there are definitely some things that I do I'm often confused about it's just like usually his choices of course, like obviously the more the, the fives that we do have and mm-hmm. and uh, sauce mm-hmm. and um and bast and stuff like that and the bar mm-hmm. like all the things that kind of make sense. But then there are just some, like obviously in the case of best, like it makes sense for the story, but it is just like a interesting choice considering how I think I think he does it occasionally goes. in other books as well. He'll just occasionally pick a random obscure god to just throw at people to go. Oh, here's a cool thing that I found out when I was doing research. Yeah, here you go. Wasn't in the first one, but the idea is like he was very popular among the common folk. He wasn't one of the gods that the pharaohs were like hosting. It sounds like that wasn't super common, but he was mm. popular among the common folk, I mean, much like how Bast he's was possessing popular. someone. But you know, well, is it? yeah, that's... he's possessing someone, but it wasn't super. It's, it's a thing that we always forget about the people that we like in this book, in these books. Bast well, usually possess. Bast is possessing what? a cat. Yeah, but, but who's best possessing? We don't know. We never find no, out. We never find out. That's what that's. But he, they has to be possessing something. Yeah, um, I do like I like Bess a lot. I like I've I've been reading the intro. Like I really like 
Because when I read the first two Sadie chapters of this book by accident, we were introduced to the evil ice cream man, Vladimir, and his whole scar situation is really, really amped up as being like horrifying. And also this character is clearly evil. And it's like, yikes, we are once again equating looks with morality. And I don't love it. So mm-hmm. it is, I do like having Bass, like in this like kids book where you have a character whose whole thing is being physically unattractive. Yeah. And that is not something that bothers him. He is not like, I ha- I'm like, I'm good enough regardless. I don't care. He's just Bess and that is his superpower. And also he is heroic and he's there to save Sadie and he like helps them and he cares for the kids. And I just think that's incredibly valuable. I don't mm-hmm. love a lot of the body shaming language that is being used to describe Bess. Like there is yeah. a line in particular when he comes out in his ugly suit where he's just wearing the speed. And that's, that's rad though. It's like, hello, this is, all of me. I'm living my truth and I will uh, literally destroy you all. Just in just being true to himself, that works. It's a line Sadie has where she says, now picture a person who should never ever wear a swimsuit and Bess is worse than that. Yeah, and they're describing Yeah, the descriptions after his life describing like the pot belly, the hairy, like, what was it? Like the description of like the rashes and like pimple sort of things. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't a, yeah, I wasn't a fan of it because no. it was very much and it's a thing that happens all the time in kids' literature that I really hate, which is so much body shaming. Mm-hmm. Um as just a, unnecessary jokes. body Yeah, yeah. As, as a joke. It's supposed to be funny. And I, just, like, I feel uh, like yeah. better would have been like, I can't even describe best to you. Like it just use your imagination and I promise you his ugly face was more horrifying than that without actually equating it to real physical traits that human people and perhaps kids reading these Mm. books can possess. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I like Bess as a character. He's interesting. He's funny. Do not like the best and best situation that happens later. Hey, hey, oh, this hashtag friend zone bullshit. Like, I hate that. Yeah. Like, no, it's so... And to making, making her feel bad about it as well. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. so... It sucks. It's not her fault. Like, it's not her problem that one of her her guy friends has a his into her, like... And they're like, oh, you know, she's always let him on. Like, except it sounds like Bess, or Bass just acts the way she acts, and, like, this is just her personality. She's not doing anything mm-hmm. specifically. And she asked Bess for a favor. Hey, you're my friend. I can't go get them. Can you go get my kids? You're the yeah. only person I trust in the world to go get my kids. And this is framed as like, oh yeah, she just uses him. And then you have the hippo goddess later. And then later on, there was a line, this is in the third book, I hate it so much, where like, oh, Bess, when Bess and the hippo goddess end up like getting together and like, oh, Bess looks sad. I hope she realized how, how she let just like this great guy get away from her. Very yeah. like, oh, you shouldn't. And it sucks. It's like, you could not, maybe they were just friends. <laughs> They could just yeah. have been friends. Because also, they're like, not connected in any way in mythology. But like, no, like, they just both are popular. Yeah, and this is, so. Oh, I found what I found interesting is like they kind of brought this into it with the whole situation with Rick. So Rick just he just makes some questionable choices in the case of Bess and Bass. But like mm-hmm. Bess in mythology is a god of childbirth, fertility, sexuality, humor, and war, but served mm-hmm. primarily as a protector of pregnant women and children. Mm-hmm. Like. That alone, just like her asking, I need you to look after these children. I can't do it. Can you do it? Like, just straight away, that should have been just the single thing. Not her feeling guilty about it and it being, like, this yeah. huge thing. Because he would have done it automatically because that's what he's the god of. Yeah, like, like I don't know. I would have liked it better without this weird... 
I think it's supposed to be a message to kids like, oh, you know, you shouldn't judge people by their looks. People have value beyond physical appearance. Attraction isn't everything. As if attraction is for people who experience sexual attraction, that is an important component in finding compatibility and bond. It shouldn't be the only thing. And you shouldn't treat people poorly just because you're not attracted to them. But not being attracted to someone is, and still wanting to hang out and be friends with them and not returning their attraction is not the same as like using mm. someone. Sucks. I feel like I would have been their their bond really much could have been, and but it's like oh Bess does that to the hippo goddess whose name escapes me. How like yo Bast uh, is apparently very thank you Hathor. Bast is like very attractive. She's a cat. She's a leaf. She's lean. And then Hathor is a hippo. So like which I also don't love that either. Let's don't have to be comparing the women. But yeah, I think it would have been just more fun if mm. they were just friends. We don't have a lot of god characters who were just friends. Yeah, and like, also there's no trust. reason for it at all. No, I just don't, all no. don't get the, the reason. They all hate each other. They all hate yeah. each other. Like they either hate each other or they're siblings. Yeah, that's it. There's no one who's just like, and this is my best friend. Hey, actually, would we like that if we had two uh, male and female character, two characters who are not <laughs> attracted to each other? They're just like, this is my best friend. I dropped everything to help their kids. Like that. Mm. Can't they just have been friends? Yeah. Ask the asexual. I mean, I agree as well. Like, why can't why can't they just be friends? Like, what? I don't fully understand putting relationships with these gods who, in mythology, either had relation had a relationship with another god, or didn't, because most of the Egyptian gods didn't really have romantic relationships. Like, they weren't no. really. Yeah, Anubis having a wife already. Yeah, oh. Anubis had a wife. Yeah, and Anubis is older than Osiris. Like. Yeah. Archaeologically speaking, they're pretty sure Anubis predated Osiris, but gotta yeah. have a hot death god to be the love interest. And as I said at the top, I get it. I'm not. I, I ain't gonna be mad about that one. We get it, but we would have just liked it if he was more. Well, I would. We, have liked we it. like the idea. We don't like the execution. I like the idea. I like yes. the execution. What I would have somewhat preferred is if he was just this sort of mentor figure who, ever, like, say he just thinks he's hot, but he is a mentor figure in the end, and he's just kind of like he's just there for the. For the readers more than anything, but like we like this. I've been into that. Yes, self insert. Self insert. Self insert. Yes, like have. Yeah, that's fine. And listen, teenagers find adults attractive all the time. That's not. That's a yeah. thing that exists. We, as long as the cannot... adult is not acting on that. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're one, all cool One here. thing we should never. One thing should we never do is bash Sadie for having a crush. Never no, gonna bash no, Sadie for having because, a crush. No. We'll bash Anubis though, because this man is immortal and is and knows he's, he's thousands of years old. He is sixteen years old. The book said so. Technically, they said he looks around sixteen. They never he, actually say he's sixteen. No, one of the no, they just, gods they basically... says he's essentially. Yeah, yeah, which does not help. That made it they worse. They just say he's me. a teenager and he <laughs> looks sixteen. He looks sixteen, but he's essentially a teenager. When you listen, it's, I it's a really elongated Grover thing. <laughs> yes, can I talk about uh, some the the bullshit thing that Liz says to Bass that I don't fucking care for? Yeah, well, is yeah. that the is that the comment about like is there a yeah type of te- a dwarf yeah. thing? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. there's this whole sequence where he's like, I. The god of dwarves. And it's like, all of the dwarves. All of them. Yeah, so I'm the god of dwarves. And Liz cleared her throat. Isn't there a more polite term we're supposed to use nowadays? Like, little person or verbally challenged or... And Bess is like, no. Mm. And it's just like... I'm glad Bess is like, shut it down. And I also think the sequence is important because it's like, 
members of an in-group who are marginalized or experience prejudice get to choose the language Mm -hmm. they will use to describe themselves and their identities and their experiences. And sometimes that language can shift over time in manners in which members of the in-group feel like certain words are no longer appropriate for them to use to describe themselves for some reason or another. And those are conversations for members of the in-group to have together. Mm -hmm. Someone who is not part of that group is absolutely under no circumstances ever allowed to critique the language the member of that group is using to describe themselves at all. Even if you have been told by another member of that group that that language is inappropriate for anyone to use, you as a a member of the out group should be, you know, working with other members of the out group to make sure the language that is being used is uplifting and not harmful. But absolutely under no circumstances does anybody ever get to tell a member of a certain party that they should not be using that language to describe themselves. Yes. Oh, I mean, I don't hate it because I think it like, but I feel like that's not what that is. Okay, so so, so, Owen's now going to drop this back to characters slash real world. Um, Who is it? Liz or Emma? Just so I don't forget the name. Okay. So we've talked about how Sadie's posh. Therefore, her friends are posh. Mm -hmm. And watching or being aware of posh people, um, I feel it's a very posh person thing to do. A oh, very yeah. made in Chelsea thing to do if I do if I reference a very oh, particular yeah. TV show. Um and so I'm like, I mean, it's in character, but <laughs> oh, No, it it absolutely is. I feel like that conversation isn't to be commentary on do not correct do not police the language that other people are using to describe themselves. I feel like it was to cover Riordan's bases of like I will say, quote unquote, political correctness. But like, I actually do believe that it's important that we like use language that is not harmful and uplifting to other people. And it is important yeah. to be politically correct. because We don't need to be causing senseless harm in our language. Yeah. But I feel like that interaction isn't supposed to be commentary on like, don't police other people's language about themselves. But more, as like I said earlier, shouldn't there be other words we're using? No, I'm the author and I'm deciding to use dwarves for this. Yeah, because that's what they used in mythology as well. Like, yes. he is said to be the god of dwarves. That is the language yeah. that is used. That is the language that he, the god, would use as well. Yes, and I, I, as a person who's not part of that group, will not comment on whether or not that choice was appropriate or what any person yeah. in that group feels about that choice being made in the book. But I think that interaction has, like... I just wanted to highlight it because I'm like, it is, like... Yeah, if you're... Don't ever do that. Don't ever tell someone that the words they're using to describe themselves as a member of a group are not the words they should be using. It is not your place to please other people's language about themselves. 100%. And I agree. I think it's okay to be like... "Mm." Because I I don't think she means, like, harm by it. But I think... Yeah. If... Also, it's like, if you want to have... I thought that word wasn't okay. Google it. It's not that person's job to do the emotional labor to educate you on the yeah. nuance of the language. Google just phone, get out yeah, your phone and just Google yeah. it. And that's don't, and then don't say anything else because it's not your job. Yeah, I totally get that. And yeah, I, I agree. I admit it, it's not prefaced with any better conversation when someone says dwarves is in like, like the Snow White. And I yeah. Like, oh, no, let's not do that. No, don't do that. Hey, I recently learned that, hey, that's super wrong. Actually, not good. I definitely always associated the dwarves with Tolkien and recently realized, oh, no, they're not supposed to be magical, like, dwarves. This is not yeah. great, gang. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, it, and the fact that Tolkien recognized that as well later on. Tolkien did, like, this whole thing afterwards of, like, recognizing that he'd act, like, in a sense, 
perpetuated anti-semitic elements with his dwarves and did like a whole essay about it and Mm -hmm, talked about mm -hmm. how he needed to re-educate himself in a sense obviously not those exact words um and people are bringing that up again because obviously Tolkien fans have been doing some very similar things to do with the rings of power because they're twats and um you know people of color can be in things that were written without people of color characters in them it doesn't make a Mm -hmm. fucking difference Yes. And admittedly, oh. there were people of colour in the stories anyway. They were just in different lands. So it doesn't yeah. matter. Get off your high horse and fuck off. And mm-hmm. um, that's that's the end of me. <laughs> yeah, listen. Fake talking fans. Fake talking fans are complaining about the fact that there are black people in the show. Real talking fans are complaining about the fact that Gladriel's apparently wearing armor and being in a soldier fighter role. Yes. She's a magic user. Why is she in armor? Like, I don't actually care. I'm very excited to watch it. That's just my roommate who's like, why is Galadriel wearing armor? I'm sorry. Why does she have a sword? This is ridiculous. She's the most powerful caster. She'd never have a sword. All I can think is just that that, because I heard that argument, I was like, you know, if I had magic, I would pull out the sword and just use magic with the edge of the sword. Just like send it out in waves with magic like that. And just send beans. So so Fran wants to be the first Legend of Zelda game. (laughs) Yes, I do. (laughs) Um, I can't remember where I was going. Um, it's just it's just a, a side. Episode. Episode. I, I think I think I think I think I think the co- I think the topic was covered. To be honest. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think we're good. All right. Cool. 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 Um, does anyone have any sort of final thoughts? Because we technically covered the subject thing, so we don't really need to go into it <laughs> any deeper. Because we we did that as we were going through the chapters, so it's all good. So, any final thoughts in general about these two chapters or about anything? Trains are cool. <laughs> Trains are cool. Thomas the Tank Engine, That's... legend. British legend, yep, 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 yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you're going to write supernatural romance, there needs to be a degree of awkwardness in your uh, supernatural immortal character. Otherwise, it's creepy. Mm. I would also add, probably be better if people are a bit more of age. Yeah, well. yeah, um... Yeah, Sadie shouldn't be 12. Uh, yeah. Like, like it's like... Mm-mm. Yeah, everything I cited earlier, I'm like, yeah, all these characters are like at least like 17, 18 years old. And my favorite ones are like, we're all in our adults in our late 20s, early 30s. Like, that's the urban fantasy that I'm actually talking about, gang. Yeah, so, yeah. Like... And that is fair. Because those, it makes sense. Yeah, in this case, like, it could, in context, in concept, not context, in concept, it could if it was written better. Mm-hmm. But both in the current concept... And in the context... They both should have been 15 and they should have been twins. I, I can't get over the twins. Yeah, the twins thing would have been so good. cool. It was so... Thank you so much. I just thought of it. I was really excited to share it with you today. So, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm taking that forward fine. with all my commentary now about the sibling dynamic of they should have been twins because it should have been, it would have been way more heartbreaking. Yeah. So many things. It would have been so... So many things would have been cooler about it. So many oh, yeah. The twin intuition is the thing. You know, the whole scry that we have in the previous chapters with Carter. I don't mm. think either of... Okay, you do, you know. <laughs> I was like, I don't think they've read that in these chapters. But um, I literally just read that today, so that's why I'm aware. Um, but him seeing the situation, what would have been cool if they were twins? Twins intuition of, hold on, something doesn't feel quite right. And then going to the scry and checking to see yeah. about the like the Faust and then seeing it. And so the twin oh intuition God, so of knowing cool. something's wrong with Sadie. Like mm-hmm. inside, twins. that would be amazing. They should have been twins. They should have been, been twins. Darren, you're a genius. They should have been twins. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, Walton, uh, Carter show up at the very end, and they all get in the limo, and Bess is going to take him to Russia. 
yet. The Russia thing is also an additional thing that I'm just kind of like, bad guy being Russian? Sure. But also, it like, works in 2011 and it works now, gang. <laughs> <laughs> Support Ukraine. Support Ukraine. There are going to be some links in the just in the episode show notes as well for that, by the way. So if okay. anyone wants to, links in in the description. Um, but uh, yeah, that was just something that popped up. I was just like, I remember Classic. reading me like that's a choice. But now I'm like, that's fair. It's a fair choice. It's a fair choice. <laughs> good choice. It's a good choice. Uh, ironically, also because I also had a whole thing about the French guy of Jess Jarchins being the sort of bad guy in the first one. I was like, that also makes sense. Mainly because, yep. like, well, firstly, Sadie's been having way more fun with that than she did because mm-hmm. that is a huge joke in the UK of everyone here hates the French and everyone okay. in France yeah. hates the English. <laughs> that should have been a joke somewhere, but you know, you I don't. Mean, you should be like the Canes; they don't respect the rules, and that Sadie one is British. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, we can't trust him. Yeah. Oh god, there should have been something about there should have been something Desjardins and said about her being English as to an additional why reason why he did not trust the Canes. That would have like, been legendary. Like if the god the gods are willing to possess a British girl, I can't do that. An English girl. They clearly can't be trusted. <laughs> yeah. Their exactly. judgment, flawed. <laughs> Their style, whack. <laughs> Their food choice, They're- terrible. Their inability to consider learning another language, dickheads. Um, (laughs) Also Americans. Yeah. Actually, admittedly, they would hate the Americans too, so that would also... And like, they're American and a Brit? I don't know. (laughs) First, they insult us with the Brits. And the American? What are they? Tourists? (laughs) Basically. Yeah, actually, they are the gods just tourists on Earth. Yeah, they technically are. I'm just thinking that they are technically tourists. Yeah. Oh god. Mm-hmm, yep. mm-hmm, oh, they must be having a great time of it fake. though, because they get to see I'm so sure. many places. Oh yeah, all the time. <laughs> Love it. But um, yeah, I guess that may be um, that is all all for now. This was a lot of fun. Thank you both for coming on. This yeah. has been great. Thanks for having us, Fran. I guess having me, I can't speak for Owen, but <laughs> I had fun. <laughs> You can speak for me. It's fine. I agree that I agree with that statement. Uh. <laughs> no second, third motion. Um, <laughs> but yeah, for sure. That this is this has been a lot of fun. I would definitely have to have you both on in future as well because these conversations are great. Um, At the same and- time, maybe not. <laughs> Yes, because this is like two two hours, <laughs> two hours. Um, but uh, Darren, tell everyone where they can find you and your podcast. I'd love to. So yeah, uh, as mentioned at the top, my brother DJ and I co-host Podcast of Poseidon, a mythology podcast that deep dives into the ancient stories found in the Percy Jackson books and then just looks at other places where they appear in modern pop culture. We're not a read-along podcast, though we do like follow the stories or the myths as they appear in the books. So right now we're covering the myths that are in Titan's Curse. And it's really fun. We've had some kick-ass guest episodes, including Fran coming in and talking about the Hunters of Artemis Yee. and Owen, who will be coming in to talk about Talos. I don't know when those episodes will, or the Owen episode will drop, but you can come over and listen to Fran's episode right now. We are <laughs> on all of your favorite podcatchers, and you can find everything at podcastepicidon.com. Awesome. And Owen, how about you for Through the Mist? Uh, so, Through the Mist, just, it's Through the Mist. It's Through the Mist, guys. I've told you what it's about. It's about law. That's that's all it's about. It's about law. It's about law reverse law. It's Laurie. I'm Laurie. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm rambling. Um... Yeah, please let me write your elevator pitch copy. Like, please, let, just get in contact with me. Let me do this for you. <laughs> I just, I can't be bothered to get my notes and I can't quite remember it right now. Um, <laughs> it has been two hours. That is fair enough. 
So if you want to find Through the Mist, and since it's the end of the episode, you can stop listening to Flan's podcast now. Boy, search Through the Mist on whatever you're listening on now. And it's the one with the green picture and the pink text. Um, or you can follow the Instagrams at Boo underscore Mist. I'm yes. sure there'll be links. Around. Oh, yes. All the links for all the stuff is going to be in the Thank episode you. show notes. So if you can't find them for any reason, um, they'll be in that social notes. So just follow the link there. And of course, all the stuff for my podcast is also in there. And if you want to buy Echoes of the Past, my short story, that is available there too. But you can also now currently pre-order Home to the Wild, the first novel in the Into the Wild series. Yay! (laughs) That's so exciting! Yeah! Um, and hopefully at this point when this episode comes out, you will also possibly be able to pre-order the paperback as well. But that is not something I am 100% sure on, so do not take my word for it. It's at least yeah. the ebook, at least maybe that the paperback. Might get cut. That might get cut. We'll find out. If we'll find it. out. <laughs> we'll but uh, yeah, thank you both for joining me and thank you to everyone for tuning in and be sure to join me next Wednesday when we continue the Rodverse journey. Bye. Bye. To plug where you can find our podcast, we are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audio Boom, Stitcher, and basically where we listen to your podcasts. In the meantime, between episodes, you can find the Best Damn Camp on various social media at Best Damn Camp Pod on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to email me with your thoughts on the episode, you can email the Best Damn Camp at hotmail.com, or if you want to support the podcast, you can head over to the Patreon page at patreon.com slash a healthy dose of Fran, which is linked in the episode show notes for things like early access to episodes and other exclusive perks. Want more Royal Universe content? Check me out on YouTube at a healthy dose of Fran. And if you want to support my writing career, drop me a follow at a dose of Fran on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Again, thank you all for tuning in. As always, I've been Fran, your very own hunter, and I'll see, shall I speak to you all next time. Bye.